Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast here. Nathan Stacken with you, and we have a jam-packed podcast, hopefully, for you today. A lot to get into. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Grins. Travis, how are we doing? There's never a shortage of things to talk about. No, there is not. Uh, No, there is not. Uh, Let let me start out. Uh, You are the voice of the Colonels now, the Mitchell Colonels. You played a game on the Mitchell played a game on Saturday against Spearfish. Yes. Why? Why Saturday versus the normal Friday night? Is that uh, is that a normal? I guess I just normally I don't uh-huh. think of high school football as being played on a Saturday. Apart from like maybe the the Sioux Falls schools, I think do it right. Yeah, and something they made a couple of years ago. It's the Curl Bowl, just like this extra. Actually, it's not homecoming. It's just the Colonel Bowl. They added a, a game that do something different with some things surrounding it. Okay. And this is the fifth annual Colonel Bowl. They always play it uh, early at home in the season on a Saturday night. So, okay. You know, see the two fall schools do it with like the President's Bowl and, yep. and certain games. So yeah, this will be the only Saturday night game. They try to do something special uh, for this. And they ran all over Spearfish. But 73-13, that was the final score, correct? They won by 60 points. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, one kid, the one kid had 378 yards. Uh, Parker Phillips, their running back, which set a uh, Mitchell record. And the Mitchell record means that you also broke the 11 AA record, which is also set by uh, Spencer Nagelmauer of Mitchell four years ago. Wow. So he ran for 378 yards, and he uh, ran for six touchdowns, and uh, he had 13 carries, was all. <laughs> and, uh, two of those were in the second half. I'm doing the game, and he's putting up these crazy numbers. And he had 303 yards at halftime on 11 carries, sort of about 30 yards a pop. Yeah. And I'm thinking... At that time, I don't know what the score was, 49, I think it was 47 to 6 or something like that at half, or 13, something like that. Game's over with. I wonder, are they going to put him in? Because he's like 23 away from the record. Are they going to put him in here in the second half just to get this? I didn't know if they would. Uh, they did, which I'm glad they did. Yep. And uh, first run, he just got a couple yards, if that. And they gave it to him one more time, and it was a 69-yard touchdown. And that was more than enough. Yeah. And I was just saying during the game, like, if he would have, if he would have been in the game, the full take, the full game, yep. I think they, they would have scored 100 points. And uh, could he have ran for 700 yards or something like that? Like, what is too ridiculous to think about? Mm-hmm. He had the ball 13 times. He ran for almost 400 and he ran the ball twice in the first 90 seconds of the second half, and then that was it. And uh, Mitchell is a team at 690 yards, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all but 23 of those were running. And they scored 10 touchdowns. Um, yeah, it was 11 touchdowns, whatever it was. And uh, Spearfish is not good, they're really bad. And I uh, think they were the team last year that lost to Pierre. What was it, 103 to nothing? Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> and that was, a, that was a big controversial thing of, oh, 100 points, and yeah. you're rubbing in the score. It's like, 
you still play, and then too, you got to put in your eighth graders and your freshmen and your backups. And you just let them play. If the other team can't stop you, it's like they just can't stop you. So, and Mitchell made it score a touchdown with like twenty seconds left, which they easily could have just taken a knee. But they continue to play and scored a touchdown with twenty seconds to go. And Mitchell's pretty good this year. They've got three tough games coming up. We'll see how they do, but uh, they're three and zero. It's a good start to the year, and you know Parker Phillips running back. He's got he's got about seven hundred yards or so in the first three games. Now, does that make it difficult to kind of determine just how good he can be? Like, is this is this a guy that we're going to see USD, SDSU, maybe even the Bison? Oh reach out to? No. I, I I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's just because of the level of competition, but you never know. Yeah. He's not all that big. He's like 5'7". I want to say 5'7", 165. I could see him going to Dakota West, and I talked to him a couple weeks ago before the season, and I'm like, well, what are your plans for college? And I think he said he really didn't know yet. No, he know he's a senior. So, like, he's definitely good enough to, uh, you know, we all stay. He was all state last year, you be on player of the year type type honors mm-hmm. or uh, school record type things but I think you could probably go to Dakota West and here in Mitchell if you wanted uh, probably not SDSU or USD as you want to go to a division two I don't know if there's that type of interest but I'm definitely sure that at least Dakota West or some other NAIA would would want him I'm pretty certain about that at least could Spearfish beat Tiaspazona Mm, probably, yeah. Ah, yeah. rats. Yeah, probably. Them, Sunshine Bible, those guys. They, they did they, they do have a new head coach. They lost, I think, about 16 games in a row. Really? And uh, they're passing offense right to spread it out, usually four receivers. And they, they really couldn't run at all. But they had, you know, they had an 81-yard touchdown pass. And they had a couple of nice passes. So as far as, Positives. It's you know a spread offense, shotgun. They they threw it a little bit. Their quarterback had two hundred and twenty, thirty some yards. So that was a positive. They moved the ball at times. They weren't completely Inept. awful. Yeah. I mean, their their defense just couldn't stop anybody. Um, About as good as the Vikings on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, similar to that. It was it was not good. And yeah, it was what twenty-eight to six in the first quarter. Um, the the high school scene in South Dakota. I believe I saw you had a tweet that uh, volleyball match has been canceled on Friday. Where are things kind of going in terms of yeah. you know the, the cancellations and stuff? Are you are you seeing more cancellations than what you thought? Is it about what you thought or less? What, what where it kind of set the scene? What's it going? What's going on in South Dakota? There's not a ton that I'm aware of. I know, like, the Burke School District, which is here south of Mitchell. Uh, Burke, they, I think, are shutting down school for a while. Uh, yeah, Mitchell was supposed to play Sturgis in volleyball Friday, which was a game that was already rescheduled uh, for another reason. But uh, apparently Sturgis volleyball has a few uh, issues. And so they're going to try and make this game up for a third time Saturday, October 3rd here in Mitchell, so we'll see if that happens. That's the first change in uh, Mitchell's schedule here once the season has started. Now, there was like one football game last week, one or two, 
And usually there's been two or three football games each week that have been uh, postponed or canceled because of, uh, they don't say, but we know what it is. Yep. So it, it hasn't been too bad. There's been a couple school districts that have kind of sent certain segments of the population home, but it hasn't been too bad. Mitchell, they, they were, I think Mitchell, they were one of the first schools to mandate a mask, and uh, at least the high school, they've had one case in the month, in the first month. Okay. And so, uh, the whole school district has had three. We counted all the elementary schools and the middle schools. So I would say that is a, that's a win, that's a positive, so, and maybe that's because masks maybe work a little bit, I don't know. So you're so, pleasantly yeah, surprised then by what's what's kind of transpired that there are fewer cancellations than what you maybe would have thought? Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get through this football and volleyball season, and there has been a huge widespread outbreak, just a couple here and there. So I think it's been, I think it's gone very well. I would say you would say it's gone, gone as well as you can hope. Very good. Uh I don't know where we should start. I guess we'll start with the, uh, you know, since segue into the terrible Spearfish defense and the terrible Viking defense on Sunday against the Packers. Um, it was not at all to me that unsurprising, I guess, uh, given, the, given the various factors. Uh, no preseason. First game of the year in a at home, but you don't have that home field advantage. You don't have the crowd, so Aaron Rodgers can just do whatever he wants. He's a goat, so I mean he can do whatever he wants to and attack these rookie corners. There was no pass rush. Daniel Hunter didn't play. He's out for the first three weeks. Yannick uh, had some ankle issues and stuff. So I'm I'm not terribly surprised that Aaron Rodgers was able to carve the Vikings up. Given all of those uh, factors, it's still somewhat alarming of a Mike Zimmer defense to give up 43 points. I believe it's the second most points or second worst defensive outing um, that Zimmer's had. Maybe I think only like didn't they lose like 51 to seven or 48 seven to the Packers at one point? Or maybe maybe that was back in the Tavares Jackson Brad Childress era. Hey, on me. Was it the Rams last year or two years? Yeah, yep, they they did give up a lot of points there. But if I recall correctly, Kirk Cousins did his part in giving the Vikings a chance in that. And he played well, even though there was garbage time. The whole game, I think, changed when the Vikings had the ball. They had just come up with a huge goal line stand against the Packers. It was 73. The ball is at your one-yard line. You pick up three yards on first down, and then... Second down, they try and get a little too cute, a little too fancy, do play action. Jair Alexander comes flying off the edge untouched. Someone didn't pick up that protection correctly. Kirk gets sacked. It's a safety. And the game went downhill from there. Um, you know, if they ran the ball so effectively on that first drive, I don't know why they didn't do it. And even if you take up six, seven minutes of clock and only get a field goal, it's 10-3, or maybe you score a touchdown 14-3. Completely different game, and I think maybe the Vikings end up winning this game. Um, so all in all, it's it, it sucks losing at home, a home division game, especially to the Packers. But it's not all that surprising, and and hopefully, hopefully the Vikings can figure out some way 
to get a pass rush going this week against Old Man Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, had the most inexplicable loss out of every team in Week 1, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything with Washington beating Philadelphia was the big upset for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Carson Wentz, hey, 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 how great of a quarterback is he? Two touchdowns, two picks, and a fumble. He got sacked eight times, but that's in part because the Eagles have no offensive line. Uh, that was a, that was something to see, though. You are, you are you're right. Up 17, you're up 17 nothing. That's bad. Yeah, you're right. My interest in this team is at an all-time low. I did. I just do not care. It's so different. Like I, I, Go ahead. I don't know. What, like I, I wasn't excited when they beat the Saints in the playoffs last year. I'm not excited for the season. I didn't get excited when they played. I watched the first half. I didn't even watch. I watched maybe six plays in the second half. I watched the Twins. I was much more interested in that. I was sitting there watching this game in the first half. The, the game was on mute and I was reading a book. That's how much I care about. I didn't care at all about this game. Why? Like, I, I don't know. Why like, is that? I just, why is that this year? Like, and I know that I, I, I know I that I the did. I know that your interest has been waning over the years, but in particular yeah. this year, like, is there something specific? Is it tied to the anthem? Is it you know the the social no, justice thing? Just, I wouldn't. I, I didn't think so, but because I know that we're in a Super Bowl, and that's all I care about. And, just like there, I, I did like that there was no crowd. I did like I didn't have to hear a fucking horn every uh, every uh, two minutes. <laughs> I liked I didn't have to hear the PA announcer scream third down every five minutes. Oh, I actually enjoyed that aspect. Uh, we didn't have all of these goddamn noises all the time. So but if I it was, enjoyed that. You had it on mute, so you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> I know. And then I, I, I heard the first uh, first quarter. I'm like, oh, this, this actually is too bad. And after a while, I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this book. Because this interests me none. And they didn't play very well, so that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Like, I just really don't care if they even watch them anymore. Which sucks. I wish I did. But... Like, I don't care. I don't care about this quarterback. I don't care about this team. They're not going anywhere. I, I just don't care. Like, I don't care about this team anymore. It's Like, I, it, I don't. You and I differ on the crowd aspect of it, because I do think that energy there, it just... I'm sure it makes it a helped. difference, but I, but I don't... It doesn't affect my viewing of it. I just, like, that's fine. I don't know if I can contribute the crowd being there to the Jaguars winning, but they were the only team on Sunday to have fans in the stands. And granted, it was only like 11,000. But, you know, does that, do the players kind of feed off that energy and stuff? I've heard, you know, I heard various players say that, you know, they have to kind of create their own energy. Um, And that is, that's just kind of difficult to do. And, Obviously, with the the Vikings having as big a home field advantage as they do when that crowd is roaring, uh, it helps their pass rush, and you know Rodgers wouldn't be able to do all of the things that he would that he did at the line of scrimmage on Sunday if the noise if the the fans were there and and making a bunch of noise. I I am like you though in the fact that I don't really know what to expect from this year. I it, th- this year feels kind of 
empty and shallow. It was interesting when I talked with Marcus a couple weeks back, and he said this is the most excited he's been for the NFL in quite some time. And I'm, I that's fine, and I I'm glad that he is. It's it just takes on a different role or different aspect to me because I don't feel like we are going to get a tr- not not necessarily a true champion, but we're going to see some things this year that are just weird that we otherwise wouldn't like the the fact that the that the Washington football team is sitting atop the NFC East at one and zero to me is. Uh, stunning, really. Uh, we have a battle for first place in the AFC South next this upcoming week between the Titans and the Jaguars. I mean, it. I just don't. And then my fantasy teams just sucked. I have, I like feel like my guys are on a mash unit right now. Michael Thomas got hurt, and I have a Le'Veon Bell in another league. He got hurt. You did very well. Did you end up pulling out a victory here or no? Yeah, win. Josh Allen did great, so very happy. My favorite quarterback did well for me. I was ahead by like maybe 10 or so points heading into the Monday night game. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to pull this one out. But uh, when he had A.J. Brown of the Titans, who I don't think did anything. He had James Conner, didn't do anything. I had Juju Smith-Schuster, oh. and he had a couple touchdowns. He did well. Yes, he so did. that was enough for me. And yeah, I, did. I was happy with, with week one. Uh, like my bench, like some guys on my bench that did pretty well. So, um, as long as that quarterback keeps doing what he did, that's good. And, um, yeah, I was, I was happy with week one. I was surprised, stunned, really, that you took Josh Allen. I really was. Uh, <laughs> like, he's got rushing numbers, so I like his rushing stats. And hopefully, he can get me, you know, maybe. Maybe eight or ten rushing touchdowns. That'd be really nice. That's mm-hmm. a little extra. And, like, when he's on, he's pretty good, but he's not on all that often. Kind of like Byron Buxton in that. Like, when he's good, he's really good, but he's not good all that much. I think this is the furthest, what, career high in yards. First time he's ever thrown for over 270 in a game. Wow. So, you know, this is his third year. This is a big year for him, and hopefully he can improve on last year, I was thinking, you know, do I go Drew Brees? Drew Brees looks like he's about done. Um, do I go Brady? No, I was thinking about doing Aaron Rodgers since I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I was going to go Patrick Mahomes, but he got picked a couple spots ahead of where I was picking. I'm like, well, I, I, I always go for my quarterback early, which a lot of people don't do. But this year, I'm going to go with everybody else and wait on my quarterback. And, uh, here it ended up being Josh Allen. I'm like, all right, let's roll the dice with this dummy. So uh, one weekend, and it, it ended up working out. So I took Michael Thomas over Alvin Kamara, and already I'm having buyer's remorse after week one, including you know because Thomas, A, didn't do shit against the Bucks and B, has a sprained ankle. But two, I would have also then, had I taken Alvin Kamara, it would have come back to me and I would have taken DeAndre Hopkins. Because uh, he would have been the best wide receiver. Instead, he fell all the way lower second round. So I mean, I, I'm having a lot of buyer's remorse early on. It's a long season, but Devonte Parker got hurt. He hurt his hamstring. Like that. It's just I can already sense that this is going to be a bit of a, a down year fantasy wise for me again. But we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll keep scrapping. We'll keep clawing, um, and we'll see what happens. And we'll see what happens with the Vikings. 
I think the guy who played for like 140, which was you know tops in the league, so it was a good week to have a bad week. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it would have been tough to. If I want to lose, I want to lose big. If I want to lose and get my ass kicked. I don't want to lose by like <laughs> three points. Now I picked Devontae Adams with my first pick, and ended up picking a child beater. I picked up all the guys I hate. Yeah, I, I was stunned by that. I really was. Look at Spencer Gutierrez in, and he did pretty well. And yep. picked up uh, Josh Allen and uh, Gronkowski. Uh, did not work out week one. And uh, what I got J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. I really liked him. Yeah, and he I mean, he scored one or two touchdowns, so he could maybe be a guy. Yeah, he stole uh, them from Mark Ingram, who I have. <laughs> He, he stole him from Mark, he stole him from Mark Ingram, who I have. That's right, yeah. So he didn't get a lot of touches, but he got the touches that mattered. Yep. So I'm like, well, I think he's J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to be pretty good. He was excellent in Ohio State. So uh, do, do more of that. He was on my bench, but yeah, I took uh, uh, Nick Chubb. We'll see how he has with Cleveland and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who did pretty good in Game One. So. You guys, I took some random guy I never heard of from Washington. Oh, Antonio, Gi- oh. Antonio Gibson, who you sniped from me. Yeah. I thought. Whoever the hell he is. I, I, I looked down that list and I'm like, okay, th- there's like six, seven other running backs ahead of this guy. Uh, I'll be able to take him because I know that Adrian Peterson's out. And I didn't know that Peyton Barber was in Washington and he might get now a lion's share of the. The touches, but I'm like, okay, this Gibson guy, I think he could really do some stuff. And then you take him right before I, I just couldn't believe it. It just, I never heard of him. Uh, never heard of this guy in my life. I'm like, well, they got Peterson. Is this guy supposed to be like the running back now, or who the hell is this guy? So I looked him up real quick during the volleyball match, and like, okay, he's one of the guys in the mix, and all these other jack offs. So nothing stands out. So sure, take him. I'll take him. Yeah. And the defense, and I was kind of unsure on the defense. I ended up taking New England. I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's right. But first game was good. And you know, they get to take on the Jets a couple times and Miami a couple times. So that should be good. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that, that defense does. Yes, we will. Well, continued uh wish you the best of luck this season. Continued success. And uh, when do we play each other? It's sometime down the line. Uh, We'll figure it out. Yes. Uh, I know I will get my ass kicked, though, unless something uh, something changes. Michael Thomas better start. Uh, he better wake up. Uh, my quarterback's Matt Ryan. Okay. So that's good at least. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I do Matthew Stafford. Well, I would say I never take a second quarterback, and I didn't. I was thinking, like, if Breeze or somebody's out there, I might take them, but uh, they were not. So I just rolled with one guy. Do you have any thoughts on what the NFL players did this weekend? I I guess what really rubbed me the wrong way uh, Thursday was when the Chiefs fans were booing when when the Texans and Chiefs joined at midfield in a a sign of unity. you know, they, they asked for a moment of silence and fans booed. Now, I've seen... What are they booing? What are they booing? Well, they, it, it's, it's, a, it's classless, first off. And then I... 
I read, I was reading a story from the Kansas City Star, and then there were some comments from people that said that they were booing the Texans for staying in the locker room uh, for the national anthem. Which, okay, they stayed in the the they stayed in you know the tunnel or the locker room for both anthems. So it's not like they were picking and choosing which anthem to to be on the field for. They were in the locker room for both. Several teams did that throughout the weekend, and. I believe you and I have discussed a cu- at least a couple of times how you know the teams standing on the field or on the court or you know the rink, the diamond, whatever for the national anthem in pro sports is rel- is a relatively new phenomenon. Like it it started what back in the nineties or something like that. Like why? Oh, why? Why did we start the national anthem during sports? We don't play it any other time. We play this national anthem. Before we play a sport, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why we do that. But wasn't it? Didn't it like start in the nineties? It's. I mean, they haven't done this since the dawn of time. Yeah, I don't know when it started. Yeah, like if you want to play it during the Super Bowl, I would say all right, that, that makes sense. Big Super Bowl. You want to play the national anthem? They have a flyover. Have some famous singer. All right. Like any other time, it's like, why do we play the national anthem before a random game? It was a high school baseball game I did years ago, and they played it. Like, okay, fine. Like, what do I, but why? Why? There's 12 people in the stands here. Why do we play the national anthem before baseball or hockey or whatever? I don't, when we don't play it anywhere else, like a concert, you don't really see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to a play, you go to, I don't know, you played it up. Yeah, they played at uh, a racetrack. They don't play. They don't play before you go to a movie. They don't play before you sit down at your restaurant, do they? Or like a Broadway, a Broadway show. No, don't do that. I was when I was in my Rapid City a couple weeks ago for football. This was like probably at least a half hour before the game. I thought they were practicing the national anthem, but you hear the national anthem somewhere off in the distance. And uh, the players were warming up on the field, and a few of them like stopped, and a, and a few of the crowd got up and like did their national anthem thing. Like, all right, that's fine, but it, it like it was like way off in the distance somewhere. Like, all right, they stopped everything and stood for that. Whatever, I didn't. But it just it's just so weird. Yeah, and I thought for the most part uh, the fan or the the players were were respectful. A few took knees, or several did. Others stayed in the tunnel. That's fine. Um, ratings were were not good uh, Thursday night, and they were not good Sunday night. The the, the Fox's game of the week had wow. a little bit of an increase. Uh, granted, Sunday's numbers I've seen have not factored in the West Coast. And I do think there are several factors here. I, I, the National Anthem is certainly uh, a, a significant contributor in the low ratings. But you also have to look at several other factors. One, coronavirus. Like, maybe people uh, just have had to, to cut back on expenses, you know, like cable and, and stuff. Maybe they aren't doing, you know, they don't have TV or anything like that. Um, you have the wildfires out west. Uh, I don't know, maybe what, you know, like what the that percentage or how many people would be affected by that that would otherwise be watching football. But you have so many other 
kind of factors going on between the coronavirus and all these you know natural disasters that are going on that i i don't think it can be all specifically tied to people boycotting the nfl but at least for one week it does look like you know that is at least a a noticeable difference what was it the colts coach frank Wright took a knee yes he did like i barely heard about that was that a big deal i don't know um, like, he took it, he, he, like it's, he did it. Like, it was protests. Like, I've come to the, the conclusion that the people that are against the, the kneeling and Colin Kaepernick, they're not, they're against any protest or they're, it, it wasn't the protest, it was the black person who did it. They're just against it completely. It's like, they, there's no right way to protest. They're like, oh, do this, do that. It's like, no. Whatever you do, they're not going to accept it. So screw them. Do whatever you want to do because they're never going to be on your side or accept accept your way of protesting. You can do anything you want. They're not going to going to support it. So it doesn't really matter what you do. And I tried to put something out last week, just kind of explaining stuff. And of course, you had the the typical people that I thought would be, uh, you know, taking umbrage with it. Uh, reached out so that that's not uh, or commented that's not surprising but I was very happy with some of the some of the comments and generally the the overall um, feedback I would say would be for the most part positive um, so that it's good just trying to explain where they're coming from I mean that's really all that it, it boils down to at this point and then I, I here's the here's another issue and I don't know if you you saw this or not but uh, Giants Steelers in the first game of the Monday Night Football doubleheader. Uh, the the crew was Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, and Maria Taylor. She was a sideline reporter or stand reporter. And then some uh, media guy in Chicago. No, I should say former media guy in Chicago commented on Maria Taylor's outfit and like oh is she dressed for to be a sideline reporter or is she dressed for the like to be in an, an adult film uh award ceremony or something yeah yep i mean it and it's just and this doesn't even speak just to maria taylor who's, who's an african-american woman in sports. I mean, women in sports have it uh, an incredibly difficult time because of all the sexist, uh, misogynistic talk out there from fans or even, you know, the you know the players or other just other members of the media. They have it very very tough. And how we haven't gotten through that barrier yet, I think bears a lot of explanation and I I I just wonder what's the what the difference is like it, you know, oh, you shouldn't say like that's like sexist or misogynistic. Like, where's the outrage for this sort of thing? And why can't it just? It doesn't feel like the people that the people say, oh, it's not a big deal or whatever. They're kind of the same people that get outraged over the national anthem. Like, if there's something that we should be outraged about, it's how women in sports are being treated. It, 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 members, women, members of the the sports media, how they are being treated not only by 
other media members, but the players and then the fans are like people on social media. That's more of an issue. That's what needs to be tackled more. That's what where the outrage should be. And it's not, and it pisses me off. Yeah, there's really no reason for him to do that. I mean, what, like, what's he, what's he get from that? He got what he get fired. He got and fired. Then, yep, he's, he's, he was fired, and I think rightfully so. Like, why, why even do that? Why, I mean, what like, possesses you to go on social media and do that? Like, it's one thing to say it maybe privately or think it, but to throw that out there on the internet, it's just dumb. Yeah, it is an idiot. A lot of idiots out there. In the media and elsewhere. It's just... It's not, it doesn't seem like it's changing all well a lot. Seems like it's not getting better. I can't say it's getting better. Who is it? What, Skip Bayless said some stuff about Dak Prescott? Yep, and his depression and stuff and how he shouldn't uh, say that because he's America's quarterback. On a, or he's a he's the quarterback on America's team, and his teammates look to him for leadership. What the hell? I didn't I didn't see it. I just read it. Like, what the hell does that matter? Why would I don't get it? He, he, like you know what Skip Bayless is? He's not. You don't like watch him and say, "Oh yeah, I believe what he says." He's he's a, he's a fucking professional wrestling character. Is what he is. Um, just to get a reaction and anyway, he did some apology that wasn't really an apology he says I'm not sorry for saying this so and then nothing happened to him and didn't get fired I don't think anybody really watches the show anyway so <clears throat> I think they're just trying to yeah I'll say something uh, controversial and people will talk about it for a couple days and uh, we'll see what happens so. yeah it I don't know. It, it, it's like, just, it, 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 his strategy is very clear. Of, let's take the remember the big stars of the day, LeBron James, and let's have a polarizing opinion saying LeBron James, who he doesn't think is as good as he is. I guess I don't know. I guess that's his his position on LeBron, even though he's the best player that it's not named Michael Jordan, maybe ever. Then you take somebody like Tim Tebow, who's not very good, but won a few games. And uh, then you get on his bad way and say, "Yep, Tim Tebow is great. He's very good." I mean, you just take you just take whoever is like the most popular or hated or polarizing person in sports and just latch on to them and just talk about that. That's that's all you got to do. That's his that's his strategy to get attention. Well, they say. Uh any publicity is good publicity, good or bad, but I think uh, Skip's kind of kind of toeing the line here. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... I don't know. It, it's just... The, 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 the civility or lack thereof right now is at an all-time low. <laughs> I don't... I think, wonder why that is. <laughs> why did that all of a sudden change? Could it have been a certain someone who's a big pile of crap... Speaking, speaking their mind. And and runs people down and lies like it's in common. I I, I think there's a very clear reason why. Oh, yeah. This is accepted. And we know who that that guy is. Yep. It's emboldened everyone to the game. I mean, I'm not going to face any consequences for this. I'm going to speak my mind and I don't really care. Like, it's. 
and like facts and 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 stuff. Yep. I mean, it's just let's just discard all that. I I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot in the sand here. I'm gonna draw the line in the sand. I'm gonna plant the flag there, and this is where I'm standing. I'm not gonna budge from it. That's kind of that's just like, where we're at right now. Like you literally have recordings from that Bob Woodward book and the interviews he did with the guy. Literally where he said, yeah, like back in February before everybody was freaking out, like, yeah, this coronavirus this is bad. Like, this is not good. That's what Trump said himself. Like, this is, this is bad. Mm-hmm. But he's never said that publicly. Even when he, when it's, when that came out last week. Like, he said this before it happened. So I think it's almost worse that a lot of people think he doesn't know what he's doing and he probably doesn't most of the time. But at least with this, like, he kind of knew what it was before a lot of people did, and he didn't do anything about it. Or, you know, going out to California and saying that it's, that the forest fires, it's not climate change. Uh, The climate will change eventually, he says. Um, You'll see. Uh, It's going to go away, you know, this heat and stuff. It's going to go away, just like the coronavirus is magically going to go away. But it's more on, like, Like, forest management is what's being blamed. Like, no, a gender reveal party is in part to blame for, or is to blame for at least one of the fires. And it's dry weather, it's lack of rain, it's hot temperatures. All of these ingredients come together to to burn down almost the entire West Coast. And you can look at climate change and global warming as a significant factor not the entire factor, or the entire reason, but a significant factor into why what's going on today. Like, are you guys in Mitchell experiencing now? Are you starting to, like, yeah. a haziness yeah. and stuff? I think I noticed it today. I mean, it's just... Yes, we've got haze from fucking 2,000 miles away because there's so many fires out there. He makes people so much dumber. Like, he can be stupid, but why people believe him and look to him for guidance, I have no idea. I'll never understand that. We've talked about it for years, and I've, I've, I've said my uh, reason that maybe I think about and the things that we've said, theories of why people believe this guy who lies all the time or follow him, but I'll never, never understand that. Yep. I won't either. I won't either. Uh, but that's beside the point. We'll, we'll yeah, move. Yeah, we had uh, yeah. Was it a doubleheader yesterday between the Mariners and the Athletics. Yes. And, like, did they... Did they blow off fireworks? I'm like, no, that's just the fucking fires out west. Yeah. That's what that is. And they had a, a Giants-Mariners game in Seattle today. has been postponed. I think they're going to play it in San Francisco. Because okay. That's so much the, better. The air, quality, the air quality is so bad. I'm surprised they even played yesterday. And uh, now they want to have the playoffs and get into the baseball later. But they want to have the games in... Uh, Dodger Stadium also in San Diego and we'll see how that works with uh, this air quality these fires in the playoffs starting in two weeks I mean it's yeah. one of the A's I think it was the A's pitcher yesterday said I'm a healthy 22 year old and I'm having trouble breathing (laughs) I mean what? not good not good then just for good measure for a cherry on top there's this massive hurricane that has just stopped in the uh, Gulf. Yeah. Like, it's a Category 1. It's only 80-mile-an-hour winds, which is low. But it's just stalled, and it's going to drop two to three feet of rain. So that's, uh, that's, 
on top of a hurricane from a couple weeks ago, and it looks like there's two more on the way over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's uh, we'll bring so we're bringing in the weather right now. That. Uh, that uh, storm is, I think, Mobile. Start with the weather. Yeah, we should. We we normally do. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, is uh, supposed to get eight to eight to sixteen inches of rain. Uh, but part other parts locally, and it, that could even change from Mobile. But other parts locally could see twenty to thirty inches of rain. I mean, it's. We're <laughs> supposed to play some college football, so I would assume some games are probably going to get postponed or canceled not because of the coronavirus, but because of a hurricane. I would assume if you're getting three feet of rain in places of Mississippi, you got the FCC, you got the Sun Belt, you got all these teams coming up. Yeah, I'm assuming some games are going to be not happening. Well, the SEC is not playing for another week, so uh-huh. that that's fortunate. Let's take a look at the old college schedule here. Well, um, let's see what other let's see let's see what hurricane comes up next week. Apparently, uh, Ed Orgeron said like his entire team has coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Or I just like he doesn't give a percentage. He's like, yeah, I, I, everybody got it. They will have That's that's true. Yep. Uh, let's see. Right now, there's actually no games scheduled to be played in the state of Mississippi or Alabama. Troy is oh. at Middle Tennessee. There are a number of games in Georgia. Uh, one, a few in Louisiana, but uh, yeah, it looks like. For the most part, that's going to be going to be spared. My Virginia Tech Hokies are not playing because of a coronavirus outbreak, so that sucks. I'll have to put away the the jacket for another week. Uh, we'll get we'll get Charlie on. Oh no, there is a game. Southern Miss uh, scheduled to play uh, Louisiana Tech on Saturday, the nineteenth at six thirty on ESPN two. So there is a game in Southern Miss. Oh great, right where the hurricane's hitting. Right now in all good old Hattiesburg there, um, I guess they're not right. They're, they're not right along the coast. Any, I don't watch any college football this weekend, and I don't see myself watching really any college football at all. I'm gonna try and get Charlie on here later to talk about the um, what, what could be coming with the Big Ten if they're going to do it, and just kind of what we've. What we've seen in general, because uh, a lot of games being postponed. It's weird seeing Sun Belt teams in the top twenty-five, but that's because you know two power conferences aren't playing. So sounds like maybe as we record this podcast here this evening, it sounds like maybe uh, the Big Ten might make an announcement tonight. Yes, that they're going to come back and play. Yep, so that might be right when we're done talking. So just to get that in and. Yep. Talk to Charlie about that, but yep. I don't know if everybody's going to play or what they're going to come up with, or if you're going to receive schools that are not playing. But um, <laughs> that will be, uh, be an interesting addition. Their whole, in this, I guess, speaks to just college football in general, but more specifically the Big Ten. It, this whole way they've handled this situation has been so discombobulated and so disjointed, it kind of feels like. Uh, America's response to the coronavirus. It, it, it really does. And it, it obviously, it, we're in this situation right now with college football because of the coronavirus. So, I just, they're fumbling the response here greatly. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get Charlie on and hopefully have an update on the Big Ten here for you later on um, in the podcast. So, that's 
that's to come. Staying with the baseball here, a couple weeks left in the regular season. You did mention that uh, Major League Baseball has signed off on a, uh, and the Players Association have signed off on an agreement, a bubble, kind of like what uh, the NHL did with the two hub cities, uh, though they did it in Canada. Baseball is going to do it, one in Texas and one in California. But what makes absolutely zero sense to me, and maybe they're doing this because the team might have a, in more of a home field advantage or something, but they're putting the NL in uh, yeah. Texas, which has no National League teams, and they're putting the AL in California. I can only suspect that it, that's because of the um, to, so that the so that the Astros don't have a home field advantage so that the Dodgers don't have it it would just seem to me that it would make more sense for proximity's sake uh, that more of the National League teams would be on the the West Coast side and not so for the American League that you would have that in Texas but I suppose that if for competitive balance's sake, it does make more sense to have the American League in California and the National League in Texas, where they don't play in these stadiums on more than like a every other year basis, for the most part. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, they have to have the different leagues in the different stadiums, because Dodgers, Padres, two best teams in baseball, and they're going to be hosting I don't like that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, as far as what I know about the schedule, at least that wild card round, sounds like there's going to be like seven baseball games a day for a couple of days. Holy! So that, <laughs> that's exciting. It's really like once an hour. If I can get this schedule up here, it's, uh, from what I've seen, it's going to be crazy. Also, for the first time in uh, 25 years, there's going to be baseball on ABC. We're going to have, uh, I think, uh, a playoff game every day at 1 o'clock. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at 1 in the afternoon, ABC, and have a baseball game with, uh, put on there by ESPN. But, yeah, ESPN, ESPN2. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff with, uh, with the schedule. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. That's... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm alarming. interested to see what, what this playoff format looks like. And <laughs> like if it were to be normally to have like the, the Twins and the Indians playing a one-game playoff, um, I fear the Twins are going to play the Yankees in the first round again. No! <laughs> I fear that the Twins are going to be the number one second-place team, which would be the four-seed and the Yankees are going to be the five seed. Because whoever comes out of the West, second place team, they're going to be the worst team. And they're going to be the sixth seed. So, I would prefer the Twins win the division, which, you know, they're, they're two back here with 11 to play, and they lost a just a horrendous game last night. Yep. That they <clears throat> had so many chances to win. So that, that was a big loss. That was big. What, why are they struggling with the White Sox? Huh? Why are they struggling with the White Sox? Well, I, thought, I mean, they won. Well, they won four or seven. They were four and two. Cameron and Cameron. The White Sox are good. I mean, they're. Um, I'm surprised at how good they are. A lot of people like them. 
Um, I was like, well, let's, let's maybe wait a year or two. But they're really good right now. So they're still very young, but um, they were what? Twins were 7-3 and three against Cleveland, which is good. And uh, what were they? 5-5 five and five maybe against Kansas City. And they've got two to go against Detroit. And they're, you know, 500 a little over against Detroit. So if they can win, if they can split this series against Chicago, they'll still be one back with eight games to play. So they've got a chance. And uh, home record, whatever that means, there's no home field, but home record is two posts to call between Tampa and Chicago and Oakland, even if the Twins get in there. It's, who knows what the seeding is going to be here with, what, 10 games to go. Mm-hmm. I would love to play the Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays, if they could, I think we got to be rooting for the Blue Jays. Blue Jays play the Yankees, and we got to be rooting uh, for Toronto to uh, to get that uh, number two spot in their division. Because if they do that, then I think we're probably playing Toronto right now. Toronto's a half game up on the Yankees, and they play a lot the past uh, for the next week and a half. So, that those are as big a games as any. But I want to not play the Yankees. Yep, the World Series will be played in Arlington. Yeah, I'm seeing it like eight games on the, the Wednesday, the 30th, September 30th, and Thursday, October 1st. That'd be great. My goodness. Uh, you know what? They're also, they're, they're proposing no days off in the series. That's, Once the series starts, there will be no days off, which we couldn't, I don't think I'll speak for you on this, we couldn't agree with that anymore. Yeah, absolutely, because there's no travel. It makes absolute sense, and that's what I've really liked about the NHL. The NHL has done some back. The NHL has done some back to backs, which I don't particularly like. But I mean, it's happened before, so I've. I mean, the NHL is just not going to change that. Uh, but the NBA is going every other day, which is fantastic. Uh, the issue I have is like when the Eastern Conference Finals or the the semifinals and stuff. Those series were starting when the first round in the West was still going on. Like it, it feels like you know the teams are going to have a little. The teams in the East, Boston and Miami, have had a lot more rest than what. Uh, I mean, could Denver beat the Clippers? I I can't fathom that that's going to possibly happen. But, I mean, you're setting up for an all-L.A. show down here against either Boston or Miami. And, Krenz, I know we've talked about this before, like with the fans and stuff, but that has made a huge difference in why we have three versus five in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, the West is one-two, which you could... Most people could tell you that yeah. both the, the L.A. teams were the best teams in the Western Conference to begin with. And, now, again, that's provided that Denver doesn't pull off a miracle here. But, um, I mean, I just think that with the lack of tra- – with the no travel and with the home court advantage, with the no fans and stuff, I think it's really – I think it really impacted a team like Milwaukee. I think it impacted a team – uh, no, Milwaukee, I guess. Toronto with Boston is kind of a toss-up yep. series. And yes, and I'm that glad was, Boston won. I think Boston's going to beat Miami here in this series. They're up early in Game One, and uh, if, if, if it wasn't going to be Milwaukee, then I think it was going to be Boston. We have to put it number two. Yeah, then Miami beat Milwaukee. It's like, you no, know, Milwaukee. It's like 
what, what do we do? Are you a serious contender or not? Yeah. Giannis got hurt, so he missed the final couple of games in that series with the ankle. They, apparently, they had a meeting. Uh, he and his agent and Milwaukee's top brass last week. And Milwaukee said they are committed to putting championship pieces around him in order to keep Giannis in Milwaukee. They are willing to go over the the, the luxury tax. So good good on them. Hopefully they can keep him. But uh, that's still uh, I you know if I'm a Bucks fan and I know a huge Bucks fan. I've mentioned him before. Uh, Stephen Knoll. Um, I used to work with. He's a huge Milwaukee fan, has been uh, picked the team randomly one year, and this was years ago, so this is before the Giannis stuff. So he's been through a lot of very bad years. Uh, he's very nervous that Giannis is going to leave. Um, and I think that stands to reason with any Milwaukee fan right now, that uh, they're concerned that they're going to lose arguably the best player in the NBA. I, I would be interested in a Clippers-Lakers series. I like my Nuggets. I love my Nuggets. Um, but I don't think they would beat the Lakers. But I'd actually be interested in Clippers-Lakers with Kawhi Leonard and all that. And, um, you know, if it's Lakers-Boston, that'd be all right with me. Yep. But I am glad, though, uh, to go back to the scheduling aspect that the NBA has done every other day. That's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, and with baseball... No off days during a series, a three-game series. It's just like the regular season, and that's fine. Uh, you don't have to travel, so it's going to be. There's no issues there. So that is good there. Um, South Dakota's been in the news, you know, for a lot of the wrong reasons here as of late. Uh, whether it be a Brookings City Council meeting that goes viral, uh, Mitchell uh, had a school board meeting get off to an uh, aspicuous start. On Monday night, uh, of course, there's the attorney general issue that's going on, uh, and you know Sturgis and all that that sort of deal. But there is some significant news on the sporting side as it pertains to college basketball and the battle for Atlantis, normally played in the Bahamas, is coming to Sioux Falls. That was per CBS Sports' John Rothstein. He's confirmed that. Uh, it's going to be played at the Pentagon. I, I'm wondering. Well, I guess that makes sense. But I would think that if the arena were open, like, are they going to have? Is this going to be open to the to the public? Are there going to be tickets here? Do we know any? I can't imagine. I just don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm sure each team will have there, whether it's parents or whatever they want to do. But you're attending. Um, like Sioux Falls Stampede, they're seeing we got to be coming up here. I don't know what they're doing and the Sioux Falls Storm and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it would, it would make more sense to space people out. I think you could have crowds at the Premier Center, but with the just with the facility at the Pentagon, with the uh, practice courts on the sides and multiple locker rooms, uh, I mean, it's really set up for, for something like this. But like you could maybe, I don't know, have games in multiple places. Yeah, I think you could have fans uh, at the Premier Center. I don't know if you're going to have more than a couple hundred people at the Pentagon since that holds like around 35, 3600 or so. Perfect venue, but I would love to get a media pass for that. Oh, absolutely. Wichita State, what Creighton? Yep. Um, Utah. Duke. Oh, if, if I can, I'm going to put in for one, but I don't know. I'm sure they're going to limit. 
we'll get to the the 2020 the Molly Invitational is expected to take place in either Asheville or Indianapolis. That again is per John Rothstein there, who's one of the preeminent uh, college basketball uh, insiders and authorities. CBS has a lot of good ones between Matt Norlander and Gary Parish and uh, John Rothstein. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, the yeah the field includes Duke, West Virginia, Memphis. Ohio State, Texas A&M, Utah, Creighton, and Wichita State. Uh, so I think, you know, for Creighton and Wichita State, if they can get some fans in there, that would be great for them. Uh, it's certainly the proximity. It's a very good field. Um, like, this arguably could be better than uh, the Maui Invitational, and I don't even know all the teams in uh, the Maui Invitational. But... Um, yeah, this is. I mean, this is huge news for South Dakota. It's it's great for Sioux Falls. We'll see if they can um, end up, uh, you know, getting fans in there. Whether, you know, I would think if you could get fans in, why not put it at the arena? Depending on, like you said, with the stampede. But overall, this is very cool, very exciting news. Here's the uh, 2020 Maui Invitational: uh, North Carolina, Texas, Indiana, Alabama. Stanford, Providence, UNLV, and Davidson. Um, just be. I, I give I give the Maui Invitational the edge because of that cooling. Oh, 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 that's that's so true. So he's the tipping point here because if I'm looking strictly at the teams, you know, we love North Carolina. I know some folks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's uh, the. I mean, who, I mean, our our guy uh, at UNLV, our 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 big UNLV fan. Oh yes, here. yes, the Otzelberger. <laughs> I mean, outside of outside of Carolina, I mean, who else there really? Trips or trips. Yeah, Shaka uh, Smart. I mean, that's that's great, right? Yeah. But you know, Ed, I mean, we take Ed Cooley yeah, over I mean, any anyone there. <laughs> so I mean, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, this is the biggest. Like, this is the biggest thing that's ever come to the state sports wise. Yes. So some like tournaments or college game day or whatever you want to say. Any of these one-off college basketball games, like fucking Baltimore Atlantis, goddamn Duke. Yeah. Like, that's that's incredible. And they just had done with the, with the Sanford International Golf Tournament, and um, that's like pretty nice a deal in Sioux Falls. They're doing that. Mm-hmm. And it'd be by far the biggest sports thing after that's happened in South Dakota. That's crazy. You, you crazy. Th- this is bigger than game day coming to Brains, right? Yes. And, yeah. and while you're at it, may as well have the NCAA tournament here as well. Well, just, just, just make that. So I don't got to go to Omaha or Minneapolis or Kansas City or St. Louis. You just have the. Uh, yeah, the NCAA tournament just up the road. Well, that'd, be, that'd be nice, nice I, for everybody. Absolutely, and that's why I thought that maybe it would make sense to do it at the Premier Center so they can see that venue in its entirety for a basketball tournament. They're like, okay, yeah, at least at some point here hosting a regional, uh, which I think Sioux Falls would be in the mix for, and I imagine that NCAA basketball officials will be in Sioux Falls and will take a look at the Premier Center. They almost have to for this tournament. I would... Uh, I would be willing to bet that uh, Coach K is going to go there and take a look. Um, and, you know, he... Every, everybody loves the Pentagon. I mean, you've not been there? I have not, no. Well, you've seen it. I have seen it, yes. Yep, I've seen everybody, games played. Everybody loves the Pentagon. Everybody loves it. Everybody raves about how it's just it's just perfect. Then you got a hotel right there. Yep. Uh, you've got a restaurant there. You've got practice facilities. So it is, yeah, it is... 
But you got the Top Golf there now too, right? It's Top Golf right there. It's got uh, great shots. Uh, everything that you would need is right there. There are going to be eight tournaments, according to to John Rothstein, that are being played in Orlando. So you know, just that's uh, going to be the Champions Classic, the Jimmy V Classic, the Wooden Legacy, the preseason NIT, Orlando Invitational, Charleston Classic, Myrtle Beach Invitational, and Diamond Head Classic. Uh, some of these, I know at least three of them are, I think, played normally in New York. Um, not sure where the Wooden Legacy is at the. But I believe the Champions Classic, the Jimmy V Classic, and the preseason NIT are all in New York. Orlando Invitational, obviously in Orlando. Charleston it would be in Charleston, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach Invitational, South Carolina. And the Diamond Head Classic would be in Hawaii. So uh, those are tournaments that will be in Hawaii. Uh, definitely. It, I mean, it gets me excited to know that college basketball is making, is being proactive with their plans. Uh, you know, in terms of these tournaments and stuff, uh, very good to see. I was not a fan of the suggestion of having a 350 team tournament um, for the NCAA. That didn't sound like that was serious or was going to happen. But like, it wouldn't be all that, like a 256 team tournament, I guess. It wouldn't be all that much greater. It would be, what, two additional games. It would be, you could pull it off, but let's, let's keep it. Honestly, I'd like to go back to 64, but let's keep it 68. You're right. Even though Coach K's idea of having everyone involved would be, oh, just so stellar for... Like, what what type of garbage are we going to have with, like, Western Illinois playing, you know, who the hell knows, Michigan State? I mean, some of these games, like, you you could not fill out a bracket. Like, when would you fill out a bracket? I don't know. You couldn't do it, you know, you couldn't fill out... I'm going to pick 250 games. I'm going to pick 255 games. Like, you know, you just wait, all right, let's keep this bull crap out of here. And once we get down to the 64, then we'll do our practice. Yep. Yeah, that you would almost have to do it that way. Um, I'm Now I'm seeing on Twitter here, South Park is going to do a one-hour pandemic special on uh, on September 30th. So uh, that is going to be must-see television for me. Uh there. Okay, so we covered baseball, we covered basketball, we covered college basketball, covered college football, covered NFL. What else do What else do we need to discuss that we haven't to this point? About it. South Dakota's attorney general killed the guy. Um, it's not going well. Oh dear. Hospital- <laughs> it's a deer, yes. Oh dear. Uh, hospitalization in our all-time record cases are down off the peak from last week, but. Our governor essentially cares about hospitalizations, and those are, I think, around 3, 130, 134, which uh, they're never going to get high enough for her to care or to matter. But as far as the South Dakota Attorney General story, at uh, 1030 Saturday, he hit a guy, which he thought was a deer, late at night, east of here, about 50 miles, and just a lot of odd things in his statement. And... The governor held an impromptu press conference at 5.15 on Sunday afternoon, and the thing lasted literally three minutes, and no questions were answered, and she held another one, which went slightly longer, about 13 minutes, on Monday afternoon, and slightly uh, more was answered, but not a lot, so... It's not gone well. Usually, whatever she does, it doesn't go well. She had a tweet about the Stanford Cup, and I tried to correct her, and then they 
<laughs> deleted that tweet and did another one, which was not much better. So whoever ran her account not very smart when it comes to sports and what the hell you call a golf tournament, what the hell's going on there. So that one's embarrassing. So you got that. And um, she's been crossing the country for Trump. She's going to be in New Hampshire uh, next month. And I'm sure that's no coincidence that New Hampshire is one of the first primary states. So whatever she's uh, drumming up here, yeah, she's not been around this state a whole hell of a lot. She's been in Ohio. She, she's going to go to Oregon here in a few weeks. Got a trip to New Hampshire. She was in Iowa a few weeks back. So, um, yeah, she's setting up something. Yeah. Well, she's a great governor, though. That's what I hear. Great governor. She sucks. She sucks. <laughs> And I don't mean to. I didn't mean to like say, "Oh dear," and, and laugh at that. I mean, it's a it's a tragic situation. What's going on here? And we'll find out the truth here eventually. I just i I have a hard time thinking that you could mistake a four legged animal, for, or like a, a human, a two a two legged human for a four legged animal. I just i no matter how dark it is, or you know whether it, I know they've been. There's been talk about whether or not he was drinking uh, or had a few drinks. I don't know. It's it's such a tragic situation, and it's it's just so bizarre. It's just like all the bizarre stuff. You know, South Dakota, you don't hear anything about South Dakota for the most part. And then when all this stuff does, it's just like, holy cow. Like, has, has this stuff been going on and we just haven't been paying attention? Or uh, is, is South Dakota on it, Krenz? Is they Are they on meth? Are you on meth? Everybody's on meth. The only way we make national news is for stupid shit like this. We've done this for almost a year now. And with this attorney general thing, he hit this guy and uh, got a hold of the sheriff, and the sheriff gave the attorney general his personal vehicle to take home with him to Pier. And then the attorney general returns the car the next day, about 50 miles east of Pier. And before he does that, though, he goes to the scene of the accident. For what reason, I don't know to find the victim which he said he thought was a deer but it was actually a person so why would you go back if you thought it was a deer like that doesn't make any sense that that doesn't make any sense why would you I hit a deer last night let me go and find the deer nope so I believe he knew he hit somebody he couldn't find them Um, why Cruz didn't look for him that night I don't know and then so he finds them and then he doesn't call police. He goes to the sheriff and says, Sheriff, I found a dead body. Okay, I guess if I found a dead body that I was responsible for, I'm probably not leaving it just there in the ditch. I'm probably going to stay there and say, yeah, you know who I am. Um, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Yeah. So uh, uh, send it over. And apparently his car was damaged that he couldn't, it was going to get towed, which would have taken too long. And... His car was inoperable, I guess, to get from uh, Highmore to Pier, which is how fast were you going? So speed was the factor he's had. And isn't Highmore like t- 20 minutes away tops? Or is it a little bit I mean, more it's, than... It's, it's like 50 miles east. 50, oh, it's 50. Like okay. it's, it's, a, it's a drive. Okay. So that's what happened there. And just a lot of other questions of why did you do this? Why did you do that? Just very odd and... I wouldn't expect him to get much of a baby or a few months in jail. 
this probably wraps up sometime next year at this point. Um, he probably shouldn't be the attorney general anymore. It's probably not great. So, <clears throat> so he, uh, it's probably in a couple months, but I wouldn't expect uh, much of a much of a penalty in this. Just maybe a slap on the wrist, some probation, temporary service, maybe a few a few months behind bars. What Bill Janko got a hundred days. Former South Dakota governor when he killed a guy on a motorcycle yep. about 15, 16 years ago. So we, we, we have a history of our politicians in the state reckless driving. Our governor um, has a long history of speeding tickets, like literally like 18 so or so speeding tickets, just an extreme amount, 24, 25 traffic violations. It's, it's ridiculous. It is. It is indeed. Well, we'll see what happens to that. If uh, more comes out, we'll, we'll definitely discuss it next week. Uh, you have a great rest of your week, my friend. Uh, good luck on all your calls, uh, the games. Uh, fo- you have football this week, right? Who does football have? At uh, football at Del Rapids and 11A school, but they're very good. And uh, Del Rapids beat Mitchell last year 7-6. And- this will be Mitchell's first test. They also play Yankton and Brookings uh, two weeks after that, which could be the two best teams at 11 double eight. So if you get out of that stretch, maybe two and one, you'd be looking really good right now. Um, we sign off on our house. We close on that Friday. Ooh, good. Yeah, and, good uh, luck with that. We're going to do some stuff Friday and be done Saturday. We went there last weekend and chopped down a bunch of weeds since it hasn't been lived in in a year or two, and we chopped down a bunch of... Uh, uh, a garden that had maybe gotten out of control. So we did that Saturday and uh, had a lot of fun doing that. Chopping so, oh. some leaves and trees and shit that shouldn't be there. Well, congrats on closing on the house. Uh, looking forward to hearing about your adventures and moving and stuff. Hopefully it goes very smoothly. It sounds like it's gone smooth thus far, but uh, wish you the best of luck there. Uh, and we'll look forward to talking with you again next week. We'll see what other craziness. Uh, not, nothing you could bring up, nothing you could guess would be uh, not, not crazy enough to, to 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 drum up, and who knows what's going to happen next week. It's, right. I mean, it, I don't know if we could possibly top an attorney general hitting a, a human and mistaking it for a deer, but we wouldn't have thought that last week. Oh, so. <laughs> who knows? All right. Thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Travis Grins joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time and perspective on all things. Um, yeah, South Dakota in the news. The, the sports news is great. The other stuff, eh, only in South Dakota? Ah, interesting to say the least. Uh, we are going to try and get Charlie Hildebrand on to talk college football, what he's seen through the first couple of weeks, the, the increased number of postponements, as well as what's going on with the Big Ten. Breaking news happens. We will certainly let you know and try and get Marcus on as well to talk hockey as the Stanley Cup final is just about set. And so we'll get to that later on here on the Sports Block Podcast, which can be found on podcast.com. Also follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Travis Krenz at Travis Krenz. Facebook, Nathan Sack, and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next... We'll talk some college football and some hockey and recap the N- the week one in the NFL and make some picks for week two. Can't be any worse than week one. We'll see, though.
That's coming up next year on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, talk to, time to talk some college football. And to do that, bringing in my good friend from the, uh, oh, God, Charlie, I'm so sorry here. It's okay. The, the North, Northwest Iowa Review. I was going to say that, and I was going to throw daily in there potentially. It is the Northwest Iowa Review. So uh, thank you, Charlie, as always, for joining me here. Um, hey, college football is happening. Um there have been some issues. We'll get to that in a moment here. But last week, we had college game day on. Lee Corso was at home. There was a bit of a feed delay. Chris Paul had some audio issues. But, yes, thank goodness, we had college game day. We had college football. We had some upsets. What did you make of the first real week of college football? Well, I mean, the thing that stuck out the most is it looks like, at least through the early games, the Big 12 probably should have postponed its season also <laughs> the way that it started for them. Uh, so the Sun Belt is greater than the Big 12. Is that what I'm what I'm hearing? At least, I mean, you know, to be fair, I mean, not with Oklahoma and Texas and some of the other schools in the Big 12 that won. But, man, you talk about Iowa, especially with Iowa State, it, I think I, I don't know for sure. I think they've been ranked in the preseason before, but not often. And playing at home in week one, I mean, that's really tough for a school that does not have a lot of success historically to come in with, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's possible they maybe, you know, quote-unquote, read their press clippings a little too much in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that didn't happen, I don't know, but they uh, – we did a little, especially on offense. Now, we're giving up two special teams touchdowns makes things a little fluky. And, you know, yep. I think their defense wasn't bad, but, man, your offense being held to 14 points at home is it's a tough build to swallow if you're a Cyclones fan. Well, and what was interesting is that and I think it was Kirk Herbstreet said it as they were making their picks at the end of game day. He said David Purdy might be the best quarterback in the Big 12. And... Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, I'm sorry. Um, Purdy is not the best quarterback. No, no, he is not. Gotta be fair, Brock Purdy might not be. No, I mean, he he certainly didn't look like it. I mean, you have the, you know, Oklahoma, what did they starting a true freshman again or something like that? Uh, I don't remember what year he is, but it's obviously a new guy because the last three guys they've had have been. Well, the last two guys they've had have been one year starters and transfers. Pretty sensational. Well, Jalen Hurts got drafted in the second round and stuff, so I mean, he he's, he did good, but I mean, I mean to put and that I much... I remember it was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, so yep, it's, it's safe to say if, if that goes to play, this guy will also be a finalist oh, this year. The quarterback whisperer himself will get the job done. You, you better believe Lincoln Riley will. But I mean, to heap that much praise on Purdy, I think kind of makes everyone maybe pause and say, okay, maybe Iowa State's got something going here, and Matt Campbell is, has done a good job building that program up, and to, to have this kind of loss, now granted, it's not like Louisville, or Louisville, excuse me, Louisiana is a bad team out of the Sun Belt. I mean, the Sun Belt does have some decent caliber teams, but you don't expect that to happen when you're traveling up to Iowa, to Ames, Iowa, for the first game of the year, and to just lay an egg like that. No, I mean, I think we would have expected that when it was uh, Gene Chizik or uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, Paul Rhodes, who I think are the previous two head coaches. Mm-hmm. If it was one of those guys, especially Chizik, I don't think we would be as surprised. But 
I mean, by all objective measures, Matt Campbell is an incredibly good coach. And, and to be fair, I mean, I think Ohio, or Iowa State can still have a good year this year. But, you know, anyone thinking that they were going to – and to be fair, you know, I mean, I'm sure national title was not their goal. I don't know if that was ever realistic. All their other goals are probably still on the team. But if you had them as a uh, sleeper team to win the Big 12, that was less likely now than it did a week ago at this time. Absolutely. Um, and they might not have even had the worst loss of the in the in the Big Twelve. That might have gone to Kansas State. I mean, in Arkansas State, I saw part of their game against um, uh, Memphis a couple of weeks back. Uh, they have a um, a good quarter. They have a, like a rotating quarterback class there. It seems like you you never know who's going to come in for or how long they're going to. To play for, so they have playmakers on offense. Uh, it's still surprising, though, against a team that's coached by uh, you know former Bison coach. Oh my! Yeah, I'll get it here because that's that's embarrassing that I, I can't remember that at all. But I mean, you you just don't expect a good defensive team like Kansas State. To look that bad against Arkansas State, you just don't. So I mean, the Sun Belt appears to have some pretty good caliber teams, and then didn't didn't Coastal Carolina beat Kansas too? I mean, yeah, they were up huge. Kansas sort of came back. I don't remember what the final score was, but they still won by double digits. Thirty-eight twenty-three. The other one, I forget if it was West Virginia or Texas Tech. I think they won, but they only won by like six or something yeah. against. Texas Tech beat Houston Baptist by two. Uh, That's what it was. And yeah. Houston Baptist tried a two-point conversion with just over three minutes to go and didn't get it. And then uh, they ended up not winning, obviously. But uh, I say this half-joking, but also half-serious, half stacking. You and I are both uh, Big Ten guys right now. Mm-hmm. How much I get... Well, like, look, I think it's safe to say that we would prefer that our teams be able to play so we could watch them play because you want to watch your favorite teams play. Part of me was a little, I don't want to say happy, but part of me was kind of like, you know what, I'm glad I didn't have to, as a fan of a Big Ten team, deal with the, like, oh, eight of the Big Ten teams lost. Yeah. And even when it's one of your teams doesn't lose, they're just like, Big Ten's terrible. Like, I, I remember a couple of years where Nebraska when they were still good, relatively good at least, at the Big Ten. The Big Ten would have, you know, a 7-7 seven and seven week and Nebraska went by 17. It was every one of the Big Ten's terrible. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, what's Nebraska getting left in? They play okay on Saturday. Right. Anyways, long story short, we didn't have to deal with any of that because neither of our teams play. Right. Chris Kleiman is the head coach at Kansas State. That's I can't right. believe I forgot that. But, I mean, you're, you're right. I, I, I mean, I've got relatives from Kansas State. Since uh, Nebraska's not in the Big 12 anymore, I don't have anything against Kansas State. But, well, in general, I don't. Part of me, whatever North Dakota State loses. And uh, by association, he's the North Dakota State person. Part of me was like, you know what? I can let my fat that works. Yeah, right. Uh, so, I mean, the Big 12 had a bad week. And I don't know, because we saw this in the NFL on Sunday uh, with Jacksonville beating Indianapolis inexplicably and then Washington coming back from down 17 nothing to score 27 unanswered and beat Philadelphia. Like, I thought that one was much more surprising <laughs> than Jacksonville. Crins did as well. Um, 
I just feel like we're going to be in a year where there's just going to be all sorts of either crazy stuff happening or teams that have home field advantages like the Minnesota Vikings might not be as good at home this year because they don't have the fans. And we'll see what college football is not going to have a full full stadiums at all this year. Um, yeah. But I just I wonder if the, the trend to see upsets is going to happen because even Notre Dame kind of struggled with Duke. And Duke's not terrible. They have that uh, Bryce kid who was the backup to Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and now he's at Duke. And, I mean, so Duke seems to be okay. Uh, but then maybe you have arguably – maybe I, – I don't know. What, what's the worst loss here? Iowa State losing. I think F- Iowa State's the worst loss. Whenever you've got a ranked team losing, especially if you're a school like Iowa State that's not used to being ranked and you have a chance on a fairly – I mean, there's just fewer teams playing, so you've got a bigger stage on Saturday. And okay. uh, everyone was tuning to that game for a while late for the wrong reasons here at Cyclones. Okay. So I, I would say that that's the worst one. Well, I was just going to say, Georgia Tech came back and beat Florida State, and this was supposed to be a really good Florida State team. Like, Matt Norvell was going to have this his team ready. Like, everything seemed to be good. And, you know, Georgia Tech's a team that is still kind of, I think, trying to find their identity under their new head coach. So, Florida State blowing a, you know, they had a 10 nothing lead going into – you know, half and it just kind of fell apart in the second half. There, they were up thirteen seven going into the fourth quarter. Give up nine points there. Yeah, I mean that one's not a good one either. I'm no, not trying to say that, but at least that one's to a conference opponent. We're just like, well, I mean, at least they have, you know, are supposed to recruit roughly at the same level. I mean, obviously Florida State should usually out recruit Georgia Tech, but sure, you know, Georgia Tech. It's not like they just have a bunch of tryouts at Georgia Tech. Sure. Okay, and that and that's a fair point, too. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. And I think Georgia Tech has in the effort. Since I uh, missed the first half of college football season last year, mm-hmm. sometimes I get things mixed up in my head if things happened last year or two years ago, the last full season I watched. I know this is either the first or the second year for Georgia Tech's new head coach. So it should be I second. I know it's not Paul Johnson anymore. Yep, it's this. It's a second second is year. It the second year, okay. Yep, because Minnesota, the the Gophers beat Georgia Tech soundly in the Quick Lane Bowl, which was going to be which was Paul Johnson's last year, I believe. That was two That's years right. ago. I do remember that now. Um. So, in looking now. What else stood? I guess what else? Before we look ahead here, what what else stood out to you from last week, if anything? I mean, not a lot else stood out. We covered a lot of it. I think the only other thing is that me and a uh, a friend of mine from South Dakota State, who I don't believe ever met, one of my roommates, who we are both uh, Nebraska fans, and since we at the time thought Nebraska wasn't going to play at all this year. We're like, hey, we need to come up with a uh, new favorite team we can watch this year. And after some yelling and screaming through Facebook Messenger of, there's no way I'm going to root for this team. Oh, well, there's no way I'm going to root for this team. We settled on North Carolina. Okay. And, uh, North Carolina. The Brownies. But didn't look great early against a Syracuse team that's probably not going to be that good. Yep. And uh, I just think it, it's funny and kind of interesting that there's a lot of, there are not a lot, but some similarities to when Mac Brown was at Texas to now when he's at North Carolina. I mean, they're obviously not a routine 10-win team at North Carolina right now, but 
similar where it's like, oh, North Carolina, that ground, oh my god, they're going to be pretty good this year. <laughs> and then early in the non-conference, you're just like, wow, they are really struggling. They do not look that good. Watch this background team right now. Well, and it just brought me back to a lot of, you know, 1999 through 2003 stuff, and then, of course, you know, 2010 and 11 and however long his last few years of Texas were. Yep. I mean, you have Sam Howell, though, going into his sophomore season, so North Carolina should be good. I think that's a good... I, I think they can still be good. You know, I mean, I think obviously, outside of Clemson, I don't know if there's a lot of teams you look at in the ACC right now. Like, oh, geez, there's no way anybody can touch this team. North, North Carolina... Well, I mean, Notre Dame was good. I keep forgetting that Notre Dame's in the ACC this year. Yes. But, yeah. Um, look into this week. Uh, a big matchup between Houston and Memphis has been postponed due to COVID. Uh, there are a number of games. There were like five games last week that were postponed. There are a number of games this week postponed, including my Virginia Tech Hokies. I'm not happy about it because they already got a game against North Carolina State pushed back uh, because North Carolina State had issues, so that's not good. Your Friday night game on ESPN is going to be Campbell against Coastal Carolina. Now, Campbell, give the Camels... The Camels cr- versus the Chanticleers? That, you're exactly right. Now, wow. now give Campbell credit because they almost beat Georgia Southern last week. Uh, ended up losing that game 27-26, but they had a, a lead for much of that game there. But uh, Coastal Carolina fresh off that Kansas win. But that's your Friday night game because Houston-Memphis got postponed. Here are the other games that are postponed for Week 3. Now, we do have a a few more games on the schedule this week, which is good. Uh, Virginia-Virginia Tech has been postponed. BYU-Army postponed. And Central Arkansas and Arkansas State postponed. That BYU-Army game is actually uh, pitting two ranked teams against one another. Which is... That's a game I'd like to watch, which unfortunately we uh, as a can't. I mean, it's... For these teams to be ranked, it's like, how the hell can they do it? But that's because all of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten teams have been yanked out because they... were because Iowa State lost. <laughs> right. They aren't playing or weren't playing or whatnot. So it makes... So that... I mean, it didn't make sense for them to be in it to begin with. So the, the rankings this year are all sort... They're, they're out of sorts, to be perfectly frank and honest here. So... That's what we got. Uh, the ABC game, I think uh, College Game Day is going to go to Louisville for Miami and Louisville, which uh, doesn't seem very attractive, but it is pitting 17th against 18th ranked teams. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a conference game. So, I mean, at least they, you know, I mean, not that they're long-time conference rivals, but teams that have played each other a fair amount and don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Louisiana's ranked. They're going to play against Georgia State. So, I mean, the the games that are going to be on our airwaves this week are just insane, but that's where we are in this COVID world of 2020 that we live in. What, um, I guess, stands out to you this week in particular? I mean, for goodness sakes, Navy-Tulane is the, the 11 a.m. game on ABC. When did we ever say that Navy-Tulane would be what we would ever think that that would be a game on ABC. Um, That's rough, especially with the way Navy just got annihilated by uh, BYU. Yeah, exactly. So as we look ahead to this week, what how, what, how inappropriate of jokes can I say? I uh, the goal. The, I, you know what? You say it, and I'll, I'll rank it on a scale of it. Uh, 
was Navy's loss to BYU the worst loss Navy's had since Pearl Harbor? Too soon, Charlie. Too soon. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't think of any other uh, significant losses. Yeah, I mean, even when Navy wasn't good, they weren't losing like that badly. I mean, partially, partially I think, just because of the offense they run. And you're like, oh, all right, we're going to lose bad, but we're at least going to eat clock and get out of here and lose right. by 30 as opposed to losing by 50 or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, we have Houston Baylor as the, oh, my goodness, CBS is doing Appalachian State against Marshall. Holy God. Oh, no. Oh, that's where Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson are going to be. I have to imagine. Uh, is it in? Is it in Marshall? Or it, is it, it in? Uh, it is in. It is in Marshall. Um, I. Uh, I mean, do you I have, guess if I remember right, I think Gary Danielson, when he was still at ABC, was the player, the color commentator for Brent Musburger, and obviously Brad Nessler used to work at ESPN. Yep. So. I would imagine they've been to West Virginia for games before. I don't know if they've been to Marshall specifically, though, so it could be a uh, a new experience for those two SEC guys. I don't know if you ever visit the site, 506sports.com, but they uh, the the guy who runs that site lists all like the, the broadcasting teams, like who's doing what game and stuff. I So I think it's going to come out you know middle part of the week, Thursday probably for college football. I'll be very curious to see if Appalachian State Marshall, if that does have Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, as like maybe their uh, their preseason game uh, before the SEC kicks off uh, next week. Uh, I mean, just Florida, you know, Florida Atlantic against Georgia Southern on ESPN. Like yeah, this is absurd. Blake Kiffin was still at Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I would say, oh yeah, but I mean, obviously he's not, so. It makes that much less appealing. It does. I mean, I'm glad that I, we shouldn't. I shouldn't joke. I shouldn't, you know, chastise or anything like that. Because at least we have college football on. But my goodness, like it, it's slim pickings here. Uh, at least this week before the SEC gets going next week. So out of everything, you know, if you're kind of looking at this week, what are you most intrigued by? Um, I think kind of like week one, I just, I'm assuming there's going to be weird games and I think it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be searching for the game that like, oh, this team that we thought was going to win handily is losing by seven in the fourth quarter. I don't have a great read on who that's going to be. I mean, this year more than any other year is even tougher to get handles on that because I think anybody could not have their mind thinking about football all the time for obvious reasons so mm-hmm. I, I don't know where it's going to be and I'm not saying there's going to be more than last week but I would imagine at least at the 11 or the afternoon games there's going to be some game where everyone's just like oh man can you can you believe the score to this one right now and that's in a lot of ways outside of watching your favorite team play that's one of the things I really miss about college football was mm-hmm. the, I shouldn't care about this game at all, but this underdog's got the lead in the fourth quarter or has the ball down four with a chance to win. That's the stuff that I want to watch. I'm joking about this, but you know what one of the great uh, travesties of 2020 is going to be? We aren't going to be able to play bull bounder not this year. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. At least... <laughs> 
You just keep taking away. You do not give. I mean, Raleigh in North Carolina is going to be very upset. Helen A. in uh, in Montana is going to be distraught. Uh, I, d- I don't know what we can do. Spencer in Iowa, uh, right right in your neck of the woods there. I mean, is Sheldon, Sheldon in Iowa, I mean, is I think is going to write to me. I know. I feel for you guys. I really do. Um, so this is really going to suck. Uh, but that leads us to the the what seems to be constantly changing daily. You know, the winds of change are upon us. Uh, isn't that something like the the old NFL films? Didn't they do that with the Raiders? Like the winds of change are upon, like the silver yeah, and black. Type. I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty yeah. That's it's, I don't remember what it was word for word, but yeah. It you could apply that. I'm talking to, about the silver and the black. Yeah. You could apply that to the Big Ten because what the hell is going on with them? Uh, a hot mic picked up on a Nebraska official on Tuesday morning saying, hey, there's going to be an announcement about the Big Ten here tonight. Well, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening. We've yet to hear anything, but it seems like the Big Ten is kind of gearing up now for a mid-October uh, kickoff potentially. The Pac-12 is looking at maybe starting things up November-ish because they've gotten a deal with some uh, pharmaceutical company or chemical company. It's someone that it must be more like pharmaceuticals or something to, that's doing like COVID tests and getting results in 15 minutes, which if you can do that for college uh, athletes, great. I mean, let's make this uh, readily available to the general public would be my... It's the Pac-12, <laughs> so I'm sure it's a startup in Silicon Valley that's lying about all of this, yeah. and it'll cost the Pac-12 like $10 trillion, yeah. and they'll be like, oh, wait, we don't own the Pac-12 anymore? That's weird. How'd that happen? Well, hopefully... Larry, Thanks, Larry Scott. Yeah, well, hopefully Larry Scott's salary can pay for that then. Um, I mean, just we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the dysfunction that we're, that we're seeing in within the Big Ten, the... It, it, it's just it's mind-boggling. So here we are wondering: Is the Big Ten gonna gonna start either Thanksgiving or mid-October? What then does this do for bowl eligibility? What does this do for the college football playoff? Like, what in the hell is going on with the Big Ten, and what do you see this doing for college football? Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, if. I'm not saying that the Big Ten is and has always been the best conference, but for like the last 40 years, I think they've been, or at least the last 15 years, the most like stable conference. Yes. And certainly the mo- the conference the most that was like, hey, we're going to discuss this behind closed doors and not leak anything and come to a union or come to a decision together. And then we're all going to be united in that front. And I'm not, I'm not saying they always did that, but they were the, the conference the most like that, at least amongst the power schools and uh, Division One football or power conferences. And I don't know what's going on. It's very strange seeing them all of a sudden just, I mean, it's almost like a, like a family at Thanksgiving that doesn't, like some of them don't get along. And mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, well I said that they said this, and how dare they do that? And it's it's odd coming from, uh, from Big Ten country. I, what do you think though? If if the Big Ten does say like, hey, we're looking at a mid October start, they aren't going to be able to have any off weeks. Uh, I don't know what you do for bowl eligibility this year. Like, is everyone just going to take? Like, is it just going to be an up for grabs? Are you going to maybe it's going to be more like regional bowl games this year? So, um, 
you know, outside of like Michigan and Michigan State, you know, they'll, they'll take uh, an average Big Ten team and an average, oh, I don't know. I mean, the Mac's not playing, so do you take like Syracuse maybe? Maybe send Syracuse to Detroit. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't know how you. I don't know where the Big Ten factors into the college football playoff. I don't know where what the Pac-12 would do if they decide now to start up. I mean, it just seems like their premature uh, calls or decisions to just cancel the season or postpone the season in general. Um, in the Pac-12, they said postponing athletics till January 1st. Yeah, they put themselves into a corner that they didn't necessarily need to. They could have waited to make a decision until it was absolutely necessary. And now they're scrambling, and it's going to put everyone into a very tough position, especially teams like the ACC and the Big 12 and even the SEC, who have already they had these plans in place. So what are you supposed to do for the college football playoffs? The Big Ten or the Pac-12 care about what the other conferences are doing. No, I'm I'm saying the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are doing so much. Right, I'm saying more like the the NCAA or you know I guess the college the the college football governing body, which I I mean there it's been a lack of leadership there to begin with. I just I guess I don't know what the Big Ten and the Pac-12's decision if they do decide that they're going to attempt the season. And in the Big Ten's case, in the middle of October, what do you do then in December? Uh, do you do the Big Ten championship game? Do you just do a modified season of you know eight games or whatever leading up to that December nineteenth game? Um, I, I I don't know how you I don't know how you make this work if you're the Big Ten and get in that position to be in the college football playoff discussion. Well, a few things, a couple things that are, I think, are going to be fun. But one thing, I don't know how late they're going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first time we see conferences being like, yeah, you know what, maybe we can play those first three weeks of December, and we're not as opposed to that now, so we can get in more games. And then, you know, I, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but, you know, if that's the difference between, like, seven and ten games, that could make a difference with some things. In terms of the college football playoff, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this. We are about to have the richest, like most unironic college football fan bases not understanding how hypocritical they are all over the entire country come college football playoff time. We are going to have Notre Dame fans yelling and screaming about how we played in a conference title game. That should count for something. It's so important that we played in a conference title game and those Big Ten teams get and the SEC is going to be saying, we play more conference games than the Big Ten game. Our conference games, it matters that we play more conference games. You've got to hold that against them. And you're going to have Big Ten teams say, oh, well, you know what? <laughs> What's the matter if we didn't play a conference title game? We think we're better in the first place. So I think basically you're going to see Big Ten fans act like SEC fans. And the other schools, the conferences start acting like Big Ten fans act dead. Oh, so and just a, a flip of the script. They're doing it and they're setting themselves up to get, you know, eat crow, you know, yep. later this year or following years afterwards. And that is one of the things I'm most looking forward that, to. That is a very interesting take, and I like it a lot. Um, yeah. Like Nick Saban on, in a press conference yelling at a reporter about how we, even though we lost, we have to be ranked number two behind whoever beat us because we played more conference games than those Big Ten kids did. 
I mean, do you know how hard it is to play eight conference games in a season when they're only playing seven? That's just not fair. That makes a huge difference, that one game. Right. Oh, wow. And I know stuff is going to change between now and the middle of September and, you know, November or December. But what's your gut telling you right now as to what what is going to happen? Like, what's going to happen with the Big Ten? What's going to happen with the Pac-12? What do you think, if, if I'm telling you, Charlie Hildebrand, to look into a crystal ball in three months, so December 15th, where are we standing? I'm going to take a more optimistic and rosier view than I have recently. I'm going to say that we, all five of the Power Five schools are playing, or the Power Five conferences are playing. We might have teams that are not playing because they have to sit out for extended periods of time with too many people that have tested positive. But I think we will have all five conferences playing to some degree. And then I think it's going to be the most confusing angry yelling and screaming about the college football playoff ever for ironically one of the least important seasons ever because we're going to have teams that are like well we've only played you know I, we can have SEC teams that are like well we've only played eight games because you know we were fine and healthy but twice we had opponents that had to cancel games because they couldn't field the team because they didn't have enough and if you start talking about like hey you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. I, and I don't specifically know who plays in, like, crossover games. Mm-hmm. But if Georgia has to play Alabama and Alabama can't play because they don't have enough players, you're looking at it like, well, hey, a lot of people are like, oh, you were going to lose to Alabama anyways. And also, but like, oh, but if you were going to win, you don't even get the credit of getting a win over them because it didn't get played. And, like, we thought it was complicated before – with like, oh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the Big 10 play nine conference games while the SEC and ACC play eight and the SEC plays non-conference FCS schools late in the year. Like, we thought that was tough. It is, I think it's going to be way more difficult this time. And we're going to have someone get in that five years from now we're going to laugh at as like, why did they do this? What fool's gold were they selling that people bought? And it's gonna, I think it's like, not for the same reasons, but I think it's going to be kind of like the 07 year with all the upsets. Mm-hmm. Except a lot of times it won't be upsets. It'll be just like, oh, this game got canceled. And like, yeah, so I guess they uh, they went 9-0. The two, or, yeah, the, the two or three games they were most likely to lose all got canceled, and then they beat the other teams they played. So I guess they're probably getting in the playoff now. I don't know who that could be. I mean, not to knock your gophers, but... Your Gophers could be eight zero, where it's like, hey, guess what? They didn't have to play Wisconsin or Iowa or whoever was good in the SEC right. or the Big Ten East this year. Georgia, and we're just like we're undefeated, we should get in, and Ge- maybe it'll happen. Georgia does play Alabama October seventeenth, a day after um, Kelsey and my anniversary. Kelsey says hello, by the way. Um, Tell her I said hello. Also. I, I will certainly do that. Uh, so they play October seventeenth. So that's going to be a huge game. That's our CBS has already marked that for a seven o'clock game, um, for so what it's worth. Part. So what I think is what should happen this year, and what I think will give way to the expanded college football playoff beginning next year, when they would do the winning team, the conference team from all five uh, power conferences, add the group of six, and then two at large 
bids essentially. But I think what this is going to do this year, what it's going to have to create, you got to expand the college football playoff to eight teams, and um, just because it's going to be it's going to be too tough to tell. Like you, uh, there's going to have to be expanded measures, and I think. By doing that, in in terms of the the expanded measures or expanded criteria, uh, in terms of figuring out who should be in the college football playoff, and I think that's going to give way to an expanded college football playoff with different parameters going forward. Um, that's my belief. That's my hope, anyway. Um, I don't know if it will happen. Um, and we're. I didn't think about that. That's a really good point, though. I. Uh... Don't want them to go farther than four. I think they probably will at some point. But just in terms of, like, in politics and in a lot of things in general, when people say, you know, like, don't let any crisis go to waste, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people behind the scenes that are going to instantly use that for, like, yeah, we can, of course we should. This is the year to move it to eight because, I mean, how do we How do we know? And then once they once they end it, they can't ever take teams away, so... Right. That's 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 a good a good point of observation from you. I would not be the least bit surprised to see it play out that way. Well, thank you, thank you. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, again, right now the Big Ten has not made a formal decision yet. Something should be coming at any point in time. Uh, so maybe you know if, if there is news of significance, we'll we'll have you back on. Uh, next week uh, to talk about it more and get thoughts on on what happened this week and maybe look ahead to the SEC starting next week if you are available and would like to do that. Uh, we'd certainly love to have you on. Uh, anything... I, mean, I could probably do it. I don't know what my schedule is going to look like, but I would imagine I'm not going to have games every single night of the week to take pictures at. Well, so. it, it, we we'd probably make that work. If, if it doesn't work, then we'll get you another time. Um, Whenever works for you, we'll be fine. But is there anything else that we need to get to before we say so long? I mean, not a lot. I think the biggest thing was just the point that I had about the Big Ten and uh, the conferences screaming about arguments that they're making the other side of now for college football playoff bids is seriously what I'm most looking forward to. USC is petitioning uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom to let them play. Uh, whether that extends to Stanford, Cal, and UCLA, we'll see. But they first need to get their state not under uh, under siege by forest fires, um, which is not a joking yeah, a matter. And, and, yeah, now. there is, and it's not a, it's not a joking matter by any stretch. The entire West Coast is in a lot of uh, trouble right now. You know, by Eugene and um, stuff. The, the fires, it's devastating out there. So. Uh, we got to get that under control first before the Pac-12 should even consider playing games. But it just seems like the the momentum keeps going. And the Pac-12 has been largely silent. Uh, and it seems like they've been more in step than any other conference. And I saw, uh, I saw something I just thought of here now. Uh, Gene Wojciechowski on College Game Day had penned a letter saying thank you to Notre Dame for joining the ACC because if Notre Dame hadn't, maybe there wouldn't have been a college football season. Like Notre Dame deciding to go toward, like joining the ACC for the conference this year kind of stabilized things for the season to happen. 
Are you in agreement with that, that maybe Notre Dame has kind of saved college football this year? No, I think that's very much someone from the East Coast who over overanalyzes things and thinks Notre Dame's more important than they are, which I'm, I'm not saying they're not an important school. They are, but I... I, I think that, you know, I, I don't think that was going to make any difference on whether the ACC, the Big 12, or certainly the SEC were uh, going to make the plans to play. Brady I think it could potentially help, you know, the Big 10 or some other conferences that were on the fence recently maybe go in. But I don't, like, I, I don't think that, in, I don't think in Tuscaloosa or in Atlanta or even in Norman or Austin, they were saying, oh, well, I mean, if Notre Dame's not playing, maybe we shouldn't either. I think they were going to do it regardless. Okay. Yeah, and th- that's well, fine. I could be wrong. I mean... Go ahead. That was just a thing. I could be wrong. Okay. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe, maybe my dislike for Notre Dame is coming out there, and I'm not giving them enough credit, but... Well, we shall see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, enjoy the weird week we are about to see on college football in terms of the games on TV because uh, we're never going to see this again. We're never going to see App State and Marshall on CBS. We just won't. Ever. Not in football. Maybe in basketball. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, exactly. That's the only way we're going to see it. And even that would be a surprise in and of itself. Uh, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, we'll we'll get in touch soon and uh, talk more college football here and hopefully have more stuff to talk about regarding the Big Ten and not the dysfunction. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Thanks for having me on. Take care of yourself, bud. You too. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, kind enough to join us here on the Sports Block podcast uh, to talk college football. It's great to talk about. We a lot of games going on. Uh, well, not a lot, but it's just look, Kentucky's ranked 23rd. Come on, folks. I mean, but yeah, App State and Marshall. I can't wait. Go to 506sports.com to check out. The, they have the announcing schedule for the NFL and college football. It normally comes out on Wednesday or Thursdays. Um, it's fantastic stuff. I go there every week during football season. It's great stuff. You, you can't miss it. They do a great job there. Uh, we'll talk some hockey next. Hopefully get Marcus on and talk more football. Recap week one. Uh, make some early picks for week two. That's coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast. Okay, so before we bring Marcus on, we have a few things that uh, that we need to update here. Uh, one of the things in doing the, the podcast weekly is that it's not all in secession. Like, I don't do things constantly or, like, consecutively. You know, that we have different segments and stuff. So, Travis and I are talking about uh, the, the Nuggets and the Clippers and thinking, you know, you know the Clippers should win this one. Uh, well, newsflash, no, they didn't. Uh, they lost to the, to the Nuggets in Game 7, and it's uh, shocking. And now people are wondering if the Clippers are going to disband and they don't have a first-round draft pick until 2027. And... So, so, yeah, the Nuggets pulled off quite the incredible feat. Uh, congrats to them. So, clean that up. And then, as I, as Charlie and I were saying, like, we're waiting for this Big Ten news to, to break and stuff. And, oh, yeah, sure enough, it does on Wednesday. Uh, we were recording on Tuesday night. So, uh, the Big Ten is going to play college football this year. Uh, the 23rd and 24th of October is their, their target date. Eight games, so... 
that'll conclude with the Big Ten Championship game. They're on, what, December 19th or something. So that is uh, very intriguing news right there. Uh, it is, and now we'll wait to see what the Pac-12 can do. And the MAC sounds like they aren't going to do it. Maybe the Mountain West joins in. It's all just a, a lot of craziness uh, that's that's going on. So those two are the big ones that wanted to to clear up, well, not clear up, but just say, hey, like this stuff happened, and so need to do it. Uh, like we can't record and then have this stuff breaking and then um, not at least touch on it. So there you go. Well, we'll have much more reaction next week. But, yeah, the Big Ten is returning, and the Denver Nuggets are playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals in the NBA. Quite, quite remarkable. Uh, While we wait for Marcus here, we'll talk, uh, we'll just recap what happened in Week 1 in the NFL and make some picks for Week 2, as we always do during the NFL season. Uh, Last week, it kicked off uh, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, took on the Houston Texans, uh, surprise, surprise, the Texans got out to an early 7-0 lead. The Chiefs then rattled off, what, 24, 31 like, consecutive points. I mean, just annihilated the Texans. Uh, they made it close early or late, but Chiefs easily won this game. Rookie Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 25 rushes, 138 yards, and a touchdown in his debut at running back for the Chiefs. Of note, uh, the fans booed as the teams did a you know assembled at midfield for a sign of unity and what should have been a moment of silence um whether or not they were booing the texans for staying in the locker room or in the tunnel for the national anthem that's kind of up for debate that's what some people are saying that's they're fine to do that there's just no winning um at this point but anyway the chiefs do win that game they won the game. The Texans did not. Uh, then on Sunday, the Oakland Raiders, uh, Josh Jacobs, three rushing touchdowns. That Panthers defense is going to be a work in progress all year long. But the minute, but the uh, Las Vegas Raiders get their first win as a Las Vegas as a Las Vegas team, taking down Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers, 34-30. One of the more entertaining games of the day by far. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts inexplicably lose to Jacksonville 27-20. Gardner Minshew goes 19-20, of 20, throws three touchdowns. Never before has a Jaguars quarterback done that. Minshew did it. Phillip Rivers threw a couple more interceptions. And the Colts, this, this is a bad loss. This is, to me, is the worst loss of the weekend by any NFL team. And that includes the Vikings, who lost 43-34 to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, 364 yards, four touchdowns. The Vikings defense, nothing of which to speak of. Uh, makes me a little worried this week for the Colts, but we'll see what happens. Comeback of the day happened in Detroit, where uh, Mitchell Trubisky, we're going to use his name this time, uh, down 23-6, leads three consecutive touch, or th- three touchdown drives. Uh, so they, so the Bears score the final 21 points in the game. Detroit had a chance to win this one. Rookie running back DeAndre Swift ran out of the backfield on like a little wheel route. He was open. Matthew Stafford laid it perfectly there, and he just dropped it. He was backing up in the end zone. There's no excuse whatsoever. He should have caught it. It was easy. The Lions should have won this game, and instead the Bears somehow pull out a victory. Lamar Jackson and company, pull. Uh, apart from that loss to the Titans, they picked up right where they left off last year. They trounced Cleveland 38-6. Same old Browns? Uh, potentially. Uh, 
probably. We'll see what happens them this week, uh, this upcoming week. But boy, they looked bad. And the Ravens look really, really good. Lamar Jackson, stellar. Once again, three passing touchdowns. Uh, tremendous. Speaking of stellar, Josh Allen. Uh, the accuracy issues. Still fumbles a little bit too much, but boy, he can run. And you know, he when he throws it, he he's accurate. Watch out. Uh, over 300 yards passing for Josh Allen, and he ran for another score. The Bills beat the Jets 27-17. It was 21-0, like early in the second quarter. Le'Veon Bell pulls his hamstring. He's gone on IR now for a few weeks. Uh, it's just like, ugh, really? Come on. But that's what happens. Russell Wilson had himself a day. 31-35 for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. The Seahawks uh, beat the Falcons 38-25, and it wasn't even really that close. Uh, the Falcons' defense, who yikes. That was not good on their part. Cam Newton in his Patriots debut rushes for two scores, 15 carries, 75 yards. Leave you through for another touchdown. The Patriots take down the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick's Dolphins, 21-11. to the Eagles had a 17-0 lead at Washington. It, they shouldn't have just blown out the Washington football team. Instead, uh, Dwayne Haskins gives a passionate speech at halftime to his team as head coach Ron Rivera making his Washington team uh, debut. He's getting an IV because he has, he has cancer and stuff. So he's getting treatment. He's getting IVs and stuff. And... Somehow, uh, Washington scores the final 27 points in the game. They sack Carson Wentz eight times. A couple interceptions for Wentz and a fumble. Washington beats Philadelphia 27-17. That is a surprise to many, and I don't fault you if you say that that's the top upset of the weekend. It's 1A and 1B with, with the Jaguars taking down the Colts. The Chargers beat the Bengals 16-13 in... Joe Burrow's rookie debut. Burrow ran for a, a touchdown. He threw one bad interception in the fourth quarter, but then led his team down the field. Uh, looked like they were going to score. He threw a touchdown pass to A.J. Green, but A.J. Green was called for pass interference. Then Randy Bullock tries to attempt a, what, 31-yard field goal, pushes it wide right. It looked like he hurt his calves. I don't know if it was he was selling it like it was an injury, but he hurt himself nonetheless. Uh, and those mistakes cost Joe Burrow a win in his rookie debut. But the Bengals do look more competitive. They do look better. And I think uh, the future uh, looks a little bit brighter for them. New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees looked okay. That was like a, this wasn't a great game against the Bucks. They win 34-23. Tom Brady leads the Bucks down to on a touchdown on his very first drive in a Buccaneers uniform, but he throws a pick six. Marks three straight games now if you go back to last season in the playoffs in which he has thrown a pick six. Uh, only a couple other quarterbacks, I believe Matt Schaub is one of them, uh, have ever done that in NFL history. And we're talking about the GOAT here, Tom Brady. So that's... Um, Remarkable in its own right, but the Saints do win 34-23. Alvin Kamara rushes for, or gets a couple of touchdowns. Michael Thomas injures his ankle. It is a high sprain ankle. Uh, he will be out at least a couple of weeks. Another dent in my fantasy team. Kyler Murray, though, is a fantastic uh, young quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals go into San Francisco, or Santa Clara, technically. Is that where the 49ers stadium's at? And they beat the 49ers 24-20. to 
It didn't help that George Kittle got hurt for the 49ers, and their wide receiving core is already a little bit depleted, but Jimmy Garoppolo did not look great. Kyler Murray did. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. Murray had 100 yards rushing before he took a couple of knees and lost nine yards, which is just stupid. Like, just take a knee. You don't have to go with shotgun. Uh, really wrecking uh, some people's fantasy leagues and stuff, but the Cardinals, they... That's a big win at San Francisco, so good win for them. They're 9-2 against the 49ers in the last last 11 games. And those two losses were last year. Remarkable. Sunday Night Football, the Rams beat the Cowboys 2017. They opened up the they christened the new stadium, their SoFi Stadium. They're in LA, $5 billion. Uh, Stan Kroenke's team and... I, I'm shocked that the Cowboys lost. Uh, the Rams, the new look Rams, they ran it a lot with Malcolm Brown. Their defense was good. Uh, this game, though, everyone's going to look at the offensive pass interference that Amari Cooper had called against him late in the game. Jalen Ramsey, the the Rams cornerback, certainly sold it, but it did look like it was a bit of a push-off. Cowboys do lose a couple of guys to injury, though. Blake Jarwin, tight end, replacing Jason Witten. He tears his ACL. He is done for the year. And then uh, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch, he broke his collarbone. He's out six to eight weeks. And I believe uh, uh, an offensive lineman, Cam Irving, hurt himself, and he's going to miss a few weeks. So not just an L for the Cowboys, but a loss uh, with several key players. Then Monday Night Football doubleheader. Ben Roethlisberger makes his it made his much anticipated debut from after last year's injury. He throws three touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster catches two touch two of those, and the Steelers beat the Giants 26 to 16. The key plays in this game, though, the the Giants were on a 19 play drive. They were going to score. They were inside the 10, and Bud Dupree, Steelers linebacker, rushes Daniel Jones. Who and then hits his arm as he's throwing the ball. Cam Hayward intercepts it, and that ended the drive for the for the Giants. And then on the ensuing Steelers offensive drive, uh, Benny Snell gets stripped, the running back, and five Giants were around him. But Juju Smith-Schuster, Johnny on the spot, recovers it, and the Steelers win uh, 26 to 16. And then to cap it all off, the Tennessee Titans left 10 points on the board. Specifically, Steven Gaskowski, their kicker, left 10 points on the board. Missed three field goals and an extra point. But he does make the crucial one with 17 seconds left. And the Titans beat Denver 16-14. to As we look ahead now to week two in the NFL. Uh, it begins Thursday night football. Uh, it's the 100-year anniversary, by the way, September 17th when the NFL began. Um, and so it's fitting that Thursday Night Football is two, the, 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 two Ohio school, uh, the two Ohio teams, since Canton, Ohio is the Pro Football Hall of Fame and stuff. So Bengals at the Browns, both teams 0-1, battle of number one overall picks. i got to think the Browns are going to bounce back and win. They have to. Otherwise, the season is already essentially over for them. Um, they got to win, so I'll, I'll take the Browns. The Giants at the Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. A crossover game. I hate these, but uh, that's what we get. And the Bears defense is going to make life miserable for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley because that Giants offense flying just isn't very good. Uh, Bears are going to win this one pretty easily. 
San Francisco 49ers at the New York Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Both teams 0-1 here. Bit of a uh, stunner. The 49ers are just much, much better than the Jets. No Le'Veon Bell for the Jets. Uh, they're going to lose this game by a lot. Here's an interesting one. Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. I'm going to go with Josh Allen and the Bills here. I think they're a more talented team, but Miami's going to push them. It's going to be close, but I think the Bills win it here either you know, three to seven points. Bills pull it out. Falcons at The Atlanta Falcons at the Dallas Cowboys, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Uh, both teams 0-1 here. Matt Ryan and company looked good last week on offense somewhat. Uh, they'll need to throw it a bunch against the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott's going to have a field day against that Falcon secondary. Cowboys win this one easily. Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. The Lions should have won at Green Bay last year. It got jobbed by the, by the refs. You could look at all, at all you want. It, it, it happened. Packers fans can deny it all they want, but but it happened. The Lions aren't going to win this time. Uh, hangover effect from what happened last week. Green Bay looked very good against Minnesota. They're going to take down the uh, Lions here. The Minnesota Vikings at the Indianapolis Colts. I hope that this is a bounce-back game for the Vikings. That defense badly needs to come through. Uh, maybe they'll get a couple picks from Phillip Rivers, who loves to throw interceptions, and the Vikings got him seven times last year. In a, or six times against the when when the Vikings went out to LA to play the Chargers. I'll take the Vikings here to bounce back and put the Colts in a difficult 0-2 position. The Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Gotta go with the, the, the Steel Curtain. Pittsburgh, uh, Drew Locke might have some issues. Uh, sounds like Philip Lindsay, the running back's not gonna play, so we'll see a heavy dose of Melvin Gordon, but Pittsburgh gets the win here. A battle for first in the AFC South. Never would have thought we would say this between Jacksonville and Tennessee, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Titans wide receivers are a little bit nicked up. I don't think it's going to be a problem. The Jaguars shocked us all last week by beating the Colts. I don't see them doing that this week against the Titans. I'll take the Titans. Carolina at Tampa Bay, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Bounce back game for Tom Brady and company. Panthers defense is bad. Look for a lot of Mike Evans, a lot of Chris Godwin, and uh, the Bucks will win this game easily. Washington at Arizona, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Uh, battle of 1-0 teams here. We have several surprising 1-0 matchups this week. Uh, there are several matchups this week pitting 1-0 teams against one another. A couple of 0-1 uh, matchups that we didn't expect necessarily. Um, Minnesota, Indianapolis, San Francisco, and the Jets uh, to be precise. Arizona taking Kyler Murray and company. They will beat Washington here. Uh, Kansas City at the Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The Chargers played their first home game as tenants in uh, Stan Kroenke's uh, Palace, and the, the Chiefs will be bad, yes. Patrick Mahomes and company will roll. Baltimore Ravens at the Houston Texans, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. I don't see the Texans being able to stop Lamar Jackson. It'll be a great matchup featuring Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson, two of the great quarterbacks in the AFC, but the Ravens are going to come out victorious. New England Patriots at the Seattle Seahawks, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. I'm going to be curious to see what the Seahawks defense can do against Cam Newton. 
Uh, we'll see what the Patriots defense does against Russell Wilson. I will go with the Seahawks, even though they don't have home field advantage with no fans being at CenturyLink Stadium. That is a bit of a problem. So watch out for that. And then Monday Night Football, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. It's the Saints at the Raiders. First game at the uh, Legion Stadium in Las Vegas for the Raiders. No Michael Thomas. That is a little scary, but the Saints have so many weapons. Emmanuel Sanders may have a big game. Taysom Hill, uh, look for him to have a, a, a bigger role like the Saints over the Raiders. And those are your week two picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, so, yeah, the, those are your picks. And to recap, uh, the Big Ten is playing football this year. We'll see about the Pac-12. We'll see about the Mountain West. The Mac sounds like they are not going to do that. The Denver Nuggets have uh, moved on to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, very surprisingly so we do not yet as of the recording of this podcast know who is playing in the stanley cup final we know one of the teams but not the other that's still to be decided we believe it's going to be tampa bay against dallas we'll see well the thoughts on that coming up next here with marcus traxler and get his thoughts on the vikings as well and wrap up this edition of the sports block podcast Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast and time to talk some hockey. Stanley Cup Final is fast approaching. Who better to talk it with than our resident hockey expert from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacken. How are you? Doing good. Um, so, the Dallas Stars, huh? It's just the, the team that we all thought would come out of the West. Uh, yeah, exactly who everybody had pegged, uh, especially out of those four teams that uh, we're in sort of the qualifying round. Didn't have to be in the playoffs from the start, and uh, I, I might have had them fourth uh, when, yep. when this had all started. So yeah, to see them uh, in the final is a shocker. I always, I mean, you kind of look at the in the NBA, the Eastern Conference. You have Boston against Miami. It's a three against a five seed. I would think in a normal playoff format. That where that requires traveling and you're playing in you know hostile arenas or environments and stuff that we might see we might not see that sort of matchup and we might not see the three seeded Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final. Certainly, it's it's possible and can, but um, I would say it would it would be far more unlikely than what we saw or what we've seen so far in Edmonton with them. Just how surprising is this? Are you in agreement that maybe if this was in a different format that the Stars might not be here? I think that's uh, certainly plausible. Hard to say for sure, of course, but um, I think it's a a theory that's as valid as any. Um, I think the one thing that stands out to me is just how uh, they've gotten great goaltending, which is obviously always a key for a playoff run. Uh, Anton Kadobin has been that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9.50 save percentage in this series, and he's made a lot of saves on a, really, a lot of really tough chances. Um, the other thing is that, you know, this is a team that does not have a potent offense. Uh, they were 26 in the regular season in, in offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Outshot out by 48 shots by Vegas in this series, and uh, they're the first team to be outscored in the postseason and still make the Stanley Cup final in 52 years. I mean, you're just not going to see that very often. Nope. Uh, But the the flip side of that is how, how much they sort of handcuff Vegas, a team that uh, while, while Dallas did not score a lot, had a bunch of 
uh, one goal victories in this series. Everyone was by one goal. Um, held Vegas to five goals in even strength situations and eight goals for the whole series. That'll get it done. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you're scattering uh, eight goals over five games, you're not asking your offense to do a whole lot. Uh, pretty incredible considering this team uh, had an interim, has an interim head coach and, um, you know, was kind of in a misfit area uh, earlier in the year. Yep, and I believe their GM, uh, Jim Neal, has said that the the interim coach will be back uh, for next year. He deserves it, and, and rightfully so, because he's gotten this team to the Stanley Cup final. The Stars and, have... And uh, that might just be a product of what we're going to see when this is over, too, how, yep. how short the offseason might end up being. Very true. Very true. I did see Peter Laviolette uh, signed a three-year deal with the Capitals. I think that's a pretty significant or a good hire for them. Um, Laviolette's a pretty good coach. He did a good job in Philadelphia and Nashville. So we'll we'll see how he does with Alex Ovechkin and company in D.C. Uh, going back to the Stars, though, I believe they're eight. They have eight comeback wins in the playoffs that ties for the most leading up to a Stanley Cup final along with the 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins, I believe, the Edmonton Oilers of years bygone. Um, so that's I mean, that's pretty elite company there if you can join that crew and make that. It, it just shows how good they've been when trailing because teams trailing in hockey don't always do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they've, uh, you know, they've had five wins when they're trailing after one period, three wins when they're trailing after two. And, I mean, that's that's going to get the job done. Uh, and uh, you win a couple games that have been in overtime, um, you know, all sort of the right recipe to, to get the, to get you uh, to advance to the, to the final. I mean, uh, winning close games and goaltending will take you pretty far. And, uh, Dallas going to the, the final for the first time in 20 years. The probable matchup, the probable opponent for the Dallas Stars will be the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are up in their series 3-2 with the Islanders. The Islanders had a nice 2-1 double OT win on Tuesday night to stay alive. Uh, it seems like Tampa Bay, for the most part, has had their way in this series. And they're just, they're just a more talented team than the Islanders. I mean, we've yeah, talked... Uh, yeah, they are. And I think um, a couple things stand out to me. We've talked about the talent of Tampa Bay's lineup uh that's mostly apparent in this in this series mm-hmm. um Braden point being out in two games in this series so far is concerning i think if you're tampa because uh he is one of the guys that makes this all go mm-hmm. so if you get him back in game six maybe things go well if you don't i think it's another opportunity for the islanders to hang around uh the islanders have to scrap uh, they in the in the games that they lost the first four games uh they had three goals total so uh, they, they need to, to scrap it out a little bit more. Like you said, double overtime win in game five, even that was only two to one. Um, only had 24 shots, which uh, is not giving yourself a ton of chances. Especially um, in double overtime. Yeah, I, I think a lot of credit goes to Barry Trotz, and I, I think maybe we, we discussed this previously, but uh, sort of the perfect coach and knows the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, still kind of uh, not <laughs> completely clear why. Uh, he had to be done in Washington, but New York benefits from that. And uh, like you just said, Washington's on a new coach. Uh, you know, you look for somebody that's got experience, and Trotz is that guy. He, he doesn't need a lot to turn in a team that's uh, pretty good. And like we, we've spoken about previously, uh, the Islanders have had some guys 
really rise to the forefront in the in this postseason and, and uh, give them a shot. Yep, and they're only going to get better, I think, as the years right. progress. They're they're a fairly young team. They got some good pieces there that they can build around. Now we've we've talked throughout, you know, the the NHL playoffs, which started back at the uh, the beginning of August. So it's been a month and a half of this. Uh, and so we've, in our time that we've talked, we've we've mentioned, you know, that probably probably you know this team's going to advance, like the Wild against the Canucks. Well, that obviously didn't happen. Yeah. Um. So we have we gotten have we gotten any of them right? Because honestly, <laughs> uh, we we talked about the Penguins and the Canadians. And yes. We thought the Penguins going to win. Yep. And they didn't. Yep. And we t- we talked. I know we've said Vegas uh, was going to get to the final, and that hasn't happened. Yep. Um. I think we had you know a moment with. Uh, Somebody in the East that I'm blanking on. I know I said Colorado was going to make a run, and and that hasn't happened. So yep. uh, all of that prefaces whatever you're going to say here for sure. Oh, it, exactly right. You can take whatever <laughs> we say to the bank. And uh, speaking of bank, um, I am I am a total jinx because in our uh, the the little uh, the betting thing that we that yes. we started here with the season, like I thought I I was all for three, and I couldn't have been more wrong on any of it like the the two biggest upsets happened i think i took the the eagles to win i think i took the the jay or the the colts to win and i took the over on baltimore and cleveland and i came out empty on all three so whatever whatever at least i say just pick the exact opposite because that's going to win you the the cold hard cash um uh, <laughs> so we've been wrong on everything pretty much thus far which makes it Enjoyable, at least from the NHL playoff side of things, because it makes it uh, somewhat unpredictable. But we are anticipating a Tampa Bay Dallas Stanley Cup final. Um, if that is the the case, you have two Southern teams, which you know playing in Canada. That's fine. It's kind of ironic, yep. but we we I think both see then Tampa Bay emerging as the the victors here. Correct. Yeah, it, it feels like Tampa Bay in like six, maybe even seven. Um, I, I think I have a hard time envisioning it being a super short series. But again, given what's happened in the bubble and uh, things getting weird, and quite frankly, I, I you know, their families are going to be probably welcomed into the bubble. But um, you know, it's 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 probably wearing on them at this point, and you, I can understand. Uh, you know, as soon as you get your hands on the Stanley Cup, it's let's get on this plane, let's get out of here. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I agree. I think Tampa Bay is the most talented team. Um, Dallas is a good story. They've played hard. Um, they have some talent on their team, so I wouldn't rule them out by any means. Right. But uh, Tampa Bay feels like the team that's going to win this. And that would make up for the fact that they got swept last year in the first round as the the President's Trophy winners by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that would if, them, if, them and Virginia men's basketball. I was have, uh, just going to, to uh, you know hang, hang their hats on. I was just going to say it's it's a Virginia Cavalier esque run. So well done there. Um, quickly here, uh, thoughts on the on the Vikings and the debacle of the defense or lack thereof against Green Bay. I think a lot of factors worked against them, so I'm not entirely surprised that they lost or that Aaron Rodgers had a big game, but certainly 43 points against the Mike Zimmer defense is concerning. So where is your level of concern after one week and heading into what essentially amounts to a must-win, as close to a must-win game in week two as you can get between two teams, the Colts and the Vikings, that 
were thinking they would be one and all headed into the matchup. Yeah, there's a lot to chew on with with the Vikings defense, um, and I'm sure a lot of it is, is stuff you've you've thought about or, or discussed. Um, you know, we had a hunch that the second we knew the secondary was going to be young, and we knew it might not uh, work great overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can live with some of the mistakes on that end. It, it feels like you know the def- when you I, I don't know. It's hard to look at because they do have a talented defense. And, and talented guys in certain spots, but it's not like it's a, you know, it's not like it's all stars everywhere. Right. And so, um, and then when you don't have uh, Daniel Hunter and you bring in Enique Ngakwe, and well, we had high hopes for him, but yep. it's clear clear he wasn't ready or was not prepared or whatever. And so the pass rush was disappointing. I think we put a lot of trust in this defense and, and the coaches that they're just going to keep developing defensive linemen. And they, they don't have a, a real big defensive tackle to shut things down. Uh, the pass rush wasn't there. First time that Rodgers has ever played in Minnesota, and he's never been sacked. So that's just disappointing. Yep. Um, and I also think the Packers' offense is good. I don't know how good they are. They're not 43 points good against the Vikings. I, right. I, I don't yep. feel that's the case. Yep. I think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur were ready for Mike Zimmer's defense. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's not a good matchup to have in week one. Um, we probably should have had a – maybe I should have been a little bit more skeptical or more prepared for, you know, the Packers to jump on them. But um, I don't know. Some of the blame, I feel like, goes on the Vikings offense as well. you got to move the football. you got to give your defense a chance. You can't be out there all game yeah. uh, because if you're worn down and you're – you have literally the worst time of possession in uh, in a single game in team history, or whatever it ended up being. It's yeah, and, it's, and, not, it's not going to work out well. And lowest since 2018. Um, I think it, the Vikings, the, the odds were stacked up against them headed into this game. Not only do you not have a preseason or a, a traditional offseason right. to really get yep. your rookies uh, going and that rookie secondary, you're playing. The goat or one of the goats, Aaron Rodgers and company. They're playing in an empty stadium, so there's no home field advantage for the Vikings. They don't get that benefit of the crowd noise. Aaron Rodgers can just easily use his cadence or whatever, so he had nothing to worry about there. No pass rush did not help the secondary at all. I was actually fairly impressed with Cam Dantzler, the the third round pick from Mississippi State. I think he's going to be a very good cornerback. Uh, I think he was the one that was covering Devontae Adams on that touchdown, and there's just no there's no defense for that throw and catch uh, that Adams had, which I, I don't think he got both feet in, uh, and I'm stunned that they didn't have a closer camera view there down at the goal line, but I don't think he was in, but they had to, well, they had to go through. Well, the Chris Myers game of the week, I guess you only get the cameras you get, and we have to live with that, I, I suppose. suppose. I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, it's like, how do we only have two looks at this, and and one of them was not good enough to, to use. So um, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's I agree good. On, on Cam Dantzler. I think there's clearly some talent there. It is disconcerting that Jeff Gladney basically didn't play much until the fourth quarter. So yep. um, considering he was a first-round pick, you don't like to see that. Yep. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, I, you know, not everybody's going to be Randy Moss. So we, we understand that he might have to work up uh, to something bigger. But um, – yeah, you make a great point. They looked like a defense that needed a preseason, mm-hmm. and I, you could make the argument the offense needed it too. Um, so makes a, makes a huge difference uh, when when you're looking at that. And my hope is that their confidence doesn't 
dwindle or just completely fall out uh, because they played Aaron Rodgers week one. I mean, that this you can look at 43 points and the fact that you really didn't stop them much at all after the, the middle of the second quarter and say, wow, like, we're, you know, are we even that good this year? You just got to take this and say, you know what, it was one game. And fortunately, they get Phillip Rivers, who likes to throw interceptions. Uh, apparently, he thinks that's what's more important than throwing touchdowns now. Uh, so well, that that will the, help. The, the, the good thing about playing the Colts is you're playing Phillip Rivers, and he does not scare me at this stage of his career. No. Uh, the bad thing is that you're playing uh, one of the best offensive lines in in in, uh, in football. Yes, because the, the Colts have built that, and that's a big time credit to them. So the, hopefully the pass rush is better this time. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has played the Colts, so hopefully he's ready to rock. And uh, yeah. If the secondary can grab a couple picks and uh, the Vikings can protect the ball on their end and allow Dalvin Cook, because Dalvin Cook didn't look bad in the in the chances he got, no. um, you know they weren't able to run the ball a lot. So let's hope that that can be uh, part of the game plan. Jonathan Taylor does scare me, the rookie running back from Wisconsin. I think this could be another sort of ball control game for. Uh, that the Vikings defense will be out on the field a lot for. And I do think that momentum swung in the game against the Packers with that safety. You know, they get yep. it to second and seven from four they, after a goal line stand. If you can take six or seven minutes off the clock, get at least a field goal, maybe score a touchdown. 10-3 or 14-3, I think we're looking at a completely different game here. One game, A game that maybe the Vikings end up winning. Um, and who knows to say? I mean, the, the Packers may have ended up running away with it regardless, but that safety did the Vikings no good um, well, at all. Well, Stacking, you have played uh, the Madden NFL franchise before, yes. correct? Yes, I have. And one of the first things you learn is you can't call play action deep in your own end. No. You can't call it in your own end zone. And no. The play, the play takes too long to develop, so that's per- don't call play action in your own end zone. You yeah. don't get a safety. That was you a- know, that's... That's the perfect way to look at that. That, so. that, was, that was a bad call there by Gary Kubiak. I would probably, if I were playing Madden and calling a play action from there, I'd probably pull a Dan Orlovsky more uh, <laughs> than uh, than getting sacked there. But two points is still two points. Uh, so at the end of the day, are the Vikings going to beat the Colts in week two, or are we looking at an 0-2 start for our well, football team? Well, I, I work with a Packers uh, fan, so this last week was not not awesome. No. But he's he's absolutely convinced the Vikings are going to beat the Colts, and I I frankly don't feel I don't share his confidence. Um, I I think they can, and I think they might, but I'm not I'm not super confident that they will. Um, I think I think you're exactly right. I think it's going to be a close game, low scoring. I, I can't imagine that. I mean, this feels like a first first team to twenty type thing. Uh, maybe maybe Dan the Man Bailey's uh, in the mix a little more with with some field goals and. Uh, I mean, I, I think the Vikings can win. It'll be close. Um, I think the Colts are going to have like 2,000 fans there. That will make a difference. But, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think the Vikings can win. It is worth noting that both the, the Jaguars and Chiefs were the only teams in the league week one to have fans in the stands, and they both won. Uh, whether that's just pure coincidence or not, I don't know. But, the you know, certainly fans in the stands, the team, the, the players – draw the energy from the fans. They don't have to create their own. So that's uh, big. Last thing I have before we go, uh, and feel free to not comment on this if you don't want to, but uh, between the uh, school board meeting uh, Monday that got off to a conspicuous start there in Mitchell, and then you have the attorney general uh, situation there. 
South Dakota's got the, the spotlight on them for a couple of maybe not so good reasons. Uh, any thoughts on either of those situations? Because you were there at the school board meeting there that uh, just kind of got out of hand. And between that and you know the Brookings City Council meetings, it's it, kind of crazy times. Uh, 2020, right? Yeah, 2020 for sure. Uh, you know, it's disappointing that the mask thing has become what it is. I mean, it's just, it's a polar issue uh, where people are just, they're on one end or the other. Um, and there's not a lot of in between and it shouldn't be that way. This isn't that difficult. Um, uh, the, the guy, uh, you can, you can look at it on our website. It's in a lot of different places. This happened to be something that as soon as this happened, you know, there's like 10 or 15 people with their phones up and, uh, yeah. and shooting video. I, I wasn't there. Uh, I, I had it, the video sent to me oh, and I, okay. I put it on our website, but yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, it's, uh, basically, this big guy just uh, tried to make a point that he wasn't going to put a mask on and um, was escorted out. I think that was all part of his plan. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that that was staged or he was he was in, intending on doing that. Um, the video is not flattering to him. I mean, he makes a, a couple of odd comments, including one about the race of the uh, one of the officers that's yep. kick, kicking him out and pointing out that he's a minority. I think he was trying to show that he's a victim in this case. I, I don't think anybody really fell for that. I think it's, you know, it, I would hope people not. Come, it comes down to the masks or not. And, uh, his wife didn't help me- measures either. I don't think I'm told she wasn't, she wasn't his wife, uh, oh. just some sort of person that was on his side, but yeah, exactly. A, you know, person that, uh, that, uh, didn't have their mask on correctly. A lot of people pointed that out, you know, with, with, we had a photo that showed it, you know, clear as day and you don't, you don't look any better for that. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, I, I had some people say that they were surprised how viral it was and how many people were talking about it. And it's like, this is, I mean, there is not a more divisive issue. Uh, and we're in an election year. I'm not sure there's a more divisive issue, uh, maybe after the current president, uh, than masks yep. uh, related to this, this issue. I mean, it's just, everybody's got an opinion and everybody, uh, if you're on one side of it, you just, you're not willing to hear out the other. And, um, I don't know what you do about that. I, I think it's just, I think in some ways that ship sailed. People just are not, uh, they're not willing to reconsider in a lot of different parts of life. And that's just where we're at. Did, um, did you happen to I, see the, the rally in St. George, Utah that, about the, the masks and stuff? No, that? I, I, I kind of caught the gist of it, that you had kids basically saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to wear masks because I don't have to, right? And, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so. and like the flu is going to kill me and stuff. Like, okay, but, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Just, you know, and I, I, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's available to have their own beliefs. I'm yep. not saying you, you can't believe what you want to believe, knock yourself out, but uh, there's, to me, this is a public health crisis, and the idea of public health is just, it's being shot to hell in this thing, because yep. it's just, we have no ability to sort of, like, all grasp the same topic. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this on this issue. Uh, maybe we did, but... You know, a few years ago, Mitchell's had, Mitchell had a measles outbreak, and everybody was just all... It was basically because these people weren't weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And people people were just all... I mean, people were all in the opposition, like, how could you not do this? I think these people had, had religious reasons and, and whatnot, but uh, everybody in Mitchell, at least, was together like, wow, what a bad decision by those people. Yeah. And obviously, we've changed a lot on vaccines, and people see that as a, as a polarizing issue. And I think it's the same way that people are treating coronavirus, where 
you know, I'm really only looking out for myself, and if it's not bothering me, I'm not going to worry about it. It's just like, that's not the way to look at it if we're going to get this thing under control. And so, um, in that way, we are kind of waiting for a vaccine, or we're just, or, or this is just going to be around forever. And I think uh, we either have to live with that, and some people are willing to do that, or, or it's not going to work. Exactly. Um, it, the, you mentioned the attorney general in, in hot water in, in this state uh, for hitting and killing a man on the side of, of uh, Highway 14 between uh, Pierre and, and Miller. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it seems like every time somebody adds something to the story, an official or Roundsburg himself um, releasing a statement a couple nights ago, um, you just end up with more questions. You end up with more questions like how did this, you know, it just starts, it adds up less and less. Uh, he apparently thought he had a deer. You know, I don't know how you can mistake yeah. a two a two legged human for a four legged deer. I just you might you might be like the twelfth or fifteenth person I've talked to, and every person's brought that up. I mean, that's that's the number one thing that everybody takes away from this story because it's absolutely true. You know, there's no you you can make the distinction between somebody a human on two feet and an animal on four. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and you know why did the sheriff allow? the attorney general to take his car take a car and drive home uh why did the attorney general come back the next day and look yep. you know if he thought he hit a deer you know it's just you know why why were we only looking with a flashlight on on the cell phone to find this guy you know uh the biggest factor in this and i i don't want to be uh crude because obviously somebody lost their life yes didn't des- didn't deserve to, to lose their life no but, uh the speed that Roundsburg was traveling is going to be a huge determining factor on what exactly happened here. Yep. Um, if you're traveling uh, the speed limit in South Dakota on these types of roads is 65 miles an hour. Uh, if you, I mean, I just have a hard time believing that if you hit somebody at 65 miles an hour, well, for one, you're not going to feel that or notice it, or it's not going to leave a bigger mark. And, and there's been photos that seem to show that the windshield's cracked and all that. Um, and, and quite frankly, how far did this guy fly I mean, yeah. if he was hit? And is that why he wasn't found? And what does the speed say about that? You know, or was he going faster than that? And yeah. It's it's not it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, obviously, but it's it's definitely going to be a big part of this case. It, it seems like uh, he wasn't drunk. I guess that's a good thing. Yes. But uh, yep. there are some very real questions here about um, his credibility and whether he should still be on the job and all that sort of thing. And, um, they do need to get to the bottom of that because this is a state, unfortunately, has a history of this with Bill Janklow uh, yes. doing the, basically the exact same thing, blew a stop sign and killed a motorcyclist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's a, you know, people have a feeling that, that there's a lot of people that don't believe South Dakota's government is, is on the up and up all the time. So there's a, a lot of pressure that, that this gets done right and handled correctly. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of people watching, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's right. And the, you know, with the eyeballs focused squarely on you in, in this uh, situation, that might help. And, and you're right. It's a tragic that we have a loss of life here. I think a question that does need to be raised is why was the guy there? I know it was something like uh, a hay bale or something had... Um, or well, his that, vehicle, that his like, car, his truck had broken down earlier in the day, or he had hit something and, yep. and left it there, and they had come back to, to check it out or, or look at it. And there may be more to the story that that uh, doesn't 
you know, jive with what we've heard already. And, and who knows? But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. So. I'm, and I'm sorry. I, I promise this is the last thing I have for you. But oh, yeah. On, I got time, yeah. Okay. Yeah, on the positive note here for South Dakota, Crins uh, and I discussed this. The battle for Atlantis has been moved from the Bahamas to Sioux Falls. They will be playing it at the Pentagon. Um, and I would imagine that there will be officials that will be taking a look at the Denny Sanford Premier Center to see and even, you know just how Sioux Falls handles this tournament because there are big teams coming, including Duke. And you got Creighton in there, Wichita State, Ohio State, Texas is coming as well. Um, so we have a, hu- a great field uh, for this tournament that's coming to Sioux Falls will be played at the Pentagon. Um, if it goes well, or maybe they'll just tour the Denny Sanford Premier Center anyway to see like the viability of Sioux Falls maybe being a, a, a host city down the line uh, for in the NCAA tournament. But this is significant uh, sports news and just significant news for the state of South Dakota in general. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been... Uh you know, it's been kind of rumored for the last week, um, and I I didn't get too hyped up because stuff gets thrown out all the time. Yep. Um, I think the one, I, well, there's a few different things I'd say. One, the Pentagon has done a good job. They've gotten more of these non-conference games between power conference teams than I ever thought they would. Um, and they, that part of that's because they're willing to shell out the money, and I'm sure maybe even in this situation, they're willing to cover the team's travel expenses, put them in a hotel, all that stuff, you know. Because that's how these, these these tournaments end up working, you know. If you if you can't go to the Bahamas, Sioux Falls better make it work worth your while, I suppose. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, nothing says know, tropical like Sioux Falls in November. Yeah, exactly. So um, obviously, Sanford has done a good job, um, you know, putting themselves in a position, you know, with regards to this virus. They've had uh, events at the Pentagon, youth tournaments, that sort of thing this summer. To my knowledge, has have not had very many issues. Um, they've been the ones uh, with all the tests for the PGA Tours events. Uh, you know, each week, each stop, you know, that's gone fairly well. So they know what they're doing from a testing standpoint. You know, Sioux Falls, the Pentagon, you can do the bubble thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 relatively doable. I don't know that they'll have fans. Um, I know this is South Dakota, but you know, if you're coming to South Dakota, to me, it's be, you're coming to get the games in. You know, you're not. You're not coming to only fit three thousand people in this in the building. If you're doing that, you might as well go to the Bahamas anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, I question whether this will be open to the public. Hard to say, but um, and and if it will be, it will probably just be each team's traveling party. You know, five hundred or however many people are going to travel with Duke or travel with Texas, where it's parents and it's the boosters. You know, and and maybe it's a thousand people in the building. And yep. honestly. I, I would love to go to these games. Who wouldn't? But I understand uh, if, if they decide that they're not going to open it up to the public. So, um, you know, it's going to be cool. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's um, it's hard to know if this has any impact on ever getting an NCAA tournament. Um, you know, the men's tournament has sort of sniffed around. We've, we've talked about the first four in the past, and it seems like they want to keep it in Dayton. Um, if they can ever bite the bullet on just ha- on having 12,000 fans in a first round game, which is not something they like to do, they, they like more than that, mm-hmm. um, I think Sioux Falls has a chance. They just kind of have to keep banging the drum and hope they get it. And, you know, the more you have, uh, I don't want to say big events, but the more you have events that people are paying attention to, the better shot you have at it. Yeah. Um, 
until five years ago or seven years ago, Des Moines had never hosted an NCAA tournament game in a long time. We've seen what Omaha has done in the last 10 years, 15 years. It used to just be the College World Series. Now it's the U.S. Swimming Trials every four years. Uh, it's, you know, NCAA tournament games. It's the NCAA Volleyball Final Four. Go down your list. I mean, yeah. they've, they've had a lot of those. Sioux Falls, a lot smaller than those cities, but they could they could be in a similar uh, vein. So, um, who knows? I, it, if it all goes well, it can't hurt. Right. Right. And, yeah. I think it's just, it's going to be cool that Coach K is going to be in South Dakota. I mean, Absolutely. I mean yeah, he, and, and, he's not going there yeah. for recruiting at any stage in, of his career. I don't think there's any big basketball stars that are going to be getting recruited by any of these big schools within the state of South no. Dakota that would make them no. come to the state otherwise. No, not at all. Well, and, maybe the uh, amateur tournament I, in Mitchell. My, yes, of course. My only, uh, my only hope is that the Pentagon does something about the lines on the courts. Uh, if you remember from last year, they had like four sets of lines on the court because we've got high school three-point line, mm-hmm. uh, women's college three-point line, men's division one three-point line, and then the NBA line. And I forget who was playing. Yeah, I think it was Wisconsin and St. Mary's first, first night of the season. I was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there were lines, all, you know, all four of the lines are on the court. Everybody's complaining on TV. I don't think they want that for three days. So hopefully some of those can come off the court. Um Honestly, I I don't know if uh, Battle for Atlantis if Battle for Atlantis is going to have sponsorships they want to sell. So I could maybe they bring in their own court. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I hope that gets rectified because it is a little bit uh, annoying to look at. Well, and so. hopefully they won't just have like tables with the paper uh, uh, like uh, logos and stuff of all the sponsors too. Like what was at the old arena in the first couple of years that uh, that the Summer League tournament was there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know what they'll. I'm sure they'll have something relatively good looking to pull this all off and um, make it make it look cohesive. So, yep, exciting times in college basketball. Uh, the official start date apparently is it's November 25th. It's the day before Thanksgiving, so uh, that'll be here before you know it. And the Big Ten is gonna play uh, football yeah. this year. That's great. I mean, you kind of saw that coming. Um, yeah, quite, quite excited about that. I, you know, this last week you had, you had college football on and it just wasn't doing much for me. First couple of weeks, it just, they haven't been very interesting to me. So, uh, the fact that the big 10 is going to make a run at it, uh, obviously the testing is what makes a huge difference here. If you're going to have the potential to test people every day and, and turn around the test quickly, I think the testing will get old for these college students, and I'm not sure uh, how it will go over. Um, you know, to be tested every day if you're a one in seven football player, but um, it's it's worth taking a shot at. I think there's obviously there's a lot of money at stake and a lot at stake for these students. Um, it we're talking about what people have to say about various issues. If anybody comes up to you, they're playing football this season. One because of the money, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong to say that's why. Yep. And they're playing. They're playing because of the science. The science and the developments are allowing it. It's not because Donald Trump uh, said he got involved. It's not because of the politics of it all. It's because um, they they figured out a way to make this happen. And it, I, to me, it's as simple as that. So. I I do think the 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 
peer like the pressure or so from some of the more prestigious universities or like the Ohio State like Ohio State Absolutely. I think had Absolutely. a huge role or factor in this and just it was the whole communication uh, and just the whole dysfunction of it all uh, why not delay the season or just look at it, just flat out cancel it, not really provide much insight other than we're looking at student health. And you're right, like science changes by like daily. We learn something new about uh, either the testing or the coronavirus constantly. Um, so that plays a factor in it. But I do think, you know, the like the, the peer pressure amongst the parents or, you know, whether that the pressure from the president or I, I think it's me. I think it's more Ohio State. I think Ohio State played a significant role in this. Uh, Nebraska was just kind of crying wolf and and being a, I don't know, maybe a baby in in and of it yeah. all. But Ohio State, I think, was the driving force in this. Ohio State for sure. Michigan and Penn State were squeaky wheels as well. And there's, I mean, um, it it makes if you can make it work, it makes a lot of sense, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and I think. I think they've got a shot. I, I think you're absolutely right that they, they took some bullets for uh, pulling the plug. I think it's been you know, 39 days between when uh, we've had this announcement and uh, when they initially called it off. And um, it's it wasn't an easy decision to make, but they did have the science evolved. Yep. And um, they are, I think they're in a better position than even these other conferences that have still dealt with outbreaks. And the Big Ten probably will too. Um, but you know, you, if if they pull off a season that has eight or nine games in it, um, and we come out of it relatively unscathed, the Big Ten will look just fine. Yes, and there won't be any. We won't be any hurt, worse for heart, or you know, worse for wear, so to speak. And uh, I can live with that. Yep, I can too. I just hope that they're able to get the eight or nine games in because I feel it is going to be very difficult to justify a Big Ten team in the college football playoff outside of Ohio State, I guess. I mean, because Ohio State's really, really good. But, I mean, you're going to have to have a chunk of games that you're able to play. And I mentioned this with Charlie um, earlier. I think that this season opens the door for eight teams just because of how the varying schedules that you're going to have, I think that's something you have to look at. And then I would think that it would be eight teams then going forward. But this year, it feels like there should be eight teams in the college football playoff. Well, and for what it's worth, uh, you've got Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, all basically expanded their postseason in some way. Mm-hmm. And the NFL, the NFL expanded their season, not really, not expanded their postseason, not really related to coronavirus, just because they wanted to. Uh, but I think there's I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I think an eight and zero, I mean even eight eight and one, you know, if if you lose the conference title game under your scenario, Big Ten team has a legitimate case. I think Ohio State eight and zero, nine and zero is in even in a four team scenario because uh, there will be enough grousing and there will be an appreciation also that if the Big Ten gets that far and they got all the games in and they have a team that's eight and zero or nine and zero. They're going to let that team in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Unless it's Rutgers or Northwestern. Well, if, if Rutgers uh, goes 9-0, and number one, we won't let them in. And uh, two, uh, 2020, I mean, just plan for the apocalypse because they're just, I don't know what else we could do at that if, point. If there's ever a year where it would happen for, for Rutgers, it would be this year. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. 
All right. Marcus, I appreciate the time as always, my friend. Uh, we'll touch base again as the Stanley Cup final goes on. But uh, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully the Vikings get a win this week. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, man. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell, Daily Republic, kind enough to join us. Always appreciate his time. Variety of topics there. We start with hockey. We moved into uh, the Vikings, uh, South Dakota, Big Ten. Again, Big Ten news broke after I, took, I talked with Charlie. It, it happens in this podcasting world and podcasting business, which I'm making no money, but you can one can only hope, right? Uh, so that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Vlog Podcast. A long one, uh, but in these COVID times, sometimes that happens. Uh, again, podcasts available on podcasts.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Marcus Traxler, at Marcus Traxler, Charlie Hildebrand, at C.E. Hildebrand. Uh, Facebook, Nathan Sacken, a link to the podcast, posted in the middle to later part of each week. Uh, and that's going to do it. So a lot that was discussed is jam-packed. We're going to have another jam-packed couple of weeks here, I think, um, with the hockey and the NBA Finals, or the Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, college football getting going again. We'll talk with Charlie next week. Uh, talk to Travis. We'll see what all comes out. It's, it's definitely a busy time, busier than what we would normally think. Um, and that's just fine why we do the podcast so for travis and charlie and marcus i'm nathan thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of the sports block podcast hope you enjoyed it please tune in again next week for a lot of conversation covering a lot of uh different topics and a wide area a vast amount of different sports and other topics to go with it uh, so have a great week stay safe mask up and we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.